everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's Tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is... If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth, and they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen... Dan and Aldo. I guess we're going to talk about this new Bears GM. Are you excited? Dan That's what I was just thinking during the intro. Uh-huh. You know, the part where you're like, I, you know, <laughs> I hope they I'm they got it wrong, and I'm I hope they get it right. Whatever I, I forgot the exact quote, but I, I hope in this situation that they got the GM right. When I first heard it, when I woke up at five Eastern time, I was like Ryan Poles. Who is Ryan Poles? And so <laughs> they said he's from Kansas City. It's like oh no. So immediately I become disgruntled because I thought that's a continuation of this horrible offense. It'll be fourth and goal from the half inch line. Fields in the shotgun. And but the more I read on him, it's like the, the people are praising, but they did the same thing with Pace in 2015. But people are calling him a quote unquote football guy, whatever that means. I and mean, we know what we think it means, but right. it kind of gets thrown around as a cliche. But I, I just hope that he's right. And I hope that Jim Caldwell's not his hire. 
I couldn't agree with you more on both of your points there. First of all, I love the fact that he was an offensive lineman and he knows that's how you build a team. You build at the line of scrimmage and then you move out. Now, the game has changed into a quarterback game, but the quarterback can't throw the ball if he's got no protection. And running still gets you victories, especially in the postseason. And you got to have an offensive line to create holes for those running backs. So he seems to have a keen appreciation for that part of the game, and that excites me. That's something that I frankly did not hear from Ryan Pace. And in the media segments stuff that I, uh, I'll present to you, there's a, a conversation with Lawrence Holmes, and I'm forgetting who, but th- they were talking about, we're not going to know anything about these guys for some time. And, and it's it's true, you know, because they're coming to Chicago. I mean, especially the general manager. He This guy has uh, very little stuff on YouTube where you can hear him speak. Chicago re- uh, media doesn't know him at all. Uh, the fans know him even less, you know, except for those fans who have had, you know, some association, some close association following the Chiefs. But we don't really know the guy at all. So we're going to see how this thing pans out. I want to ask you about the process. Have you, uh, are you upset at all with the kind of unique process the Bears have taken? It's almost like, remember when uh, Nagy and Pace had the, the kicking tryouts and they invited oh. every free agent that knows how to kick a ball? It seems like the Bears kind of took that approach. Does that bother you at all, or you think that was a cool approach? I, it didn't bother me. I was seeing, because I didn't hear it when the cap was talking about it, but I kept seeing everyone sharing it. Mm-hmm. That David Kaplan was saying that an inside source, and of course, I'm not questioning Cap's source or his integrity or anything. He's awesome. Uh, but he was uh, allegedly reporting that an inside source told him that they're asking stupid questions and look at all the candidates and this is bullshit. I just, I just, it didn't bother me that they were asking or talking to a bunch of people. Then so be it. It is their team. Mm-hmm. And if they want to they want to talk to 20 people, then fuck it. Let them talk to 20 people. That didn't bother me whatsoever. And maybe it should, but it didn't. I will say this, and I hate to say this, but this is like how I really feel. We're burying our souls. I I I'm kind of it made me happier on this hire when I saw that he was black or, or he was of at least a different race. I shouldn't say that, but it did. It made me feel like that's some kind of progress for the league as a whole. Mm-hmm. you know, to have men Absolutely. of other ethnicities in power and making decisions. And that shouldn't make my liking of, it shouldn't make me like this guy, but I'm, I'm just being honest with you. It did, I was like, when I heard he was like, you know, 36 from Kansas city, I'm like, Oh no, it's the same thing. Pace was like 36 from new Orleans or 35, whatever. But I found out he was a, of another ethnicity. It did make me feel like, okay. And maybe that's stupid, but it did. I I totally agree with you. This is the very first African-American general manager in Chicago Bears history. And so from that standpoint, it's historical. It truly is historical. It's great that this has happened, not only for the game of football, because uh, people of color have been underrepresented in front offices when you have like 75% of the players in the league are African-American and only like one there's only one African-American uh, head coach right now. And there's, you know, very low percentages of people in the front office. That That is something for all of us to cheer, no matter what color we are. Uh, that, that's a good Can I thing. ask you a trivia question real sure. quick? Mm-hmm. And I want to get back to your point, but this is a trivia question. Who was the first black coach to ever make it to the Super Bowl? 
uh, that was uh, either Lovey Smith or uh, Tony Dungy, depending on who won the NFC championship, the, their conference championship game first, right? That's correct. The reason I asked that because people immediately want to say Tony Dungy, but Lovey, the Saints and Bears were first. Aha. So technically, Lovey advanced to the Super Bowl before Tony Dungy. Great. So Lovey is the answer. Great trivia question. Yeah. So anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was so I was just going to say this. This is you know that's that is a good thing. I think all of us should be happy about that. That that's all that needs to be said on that. Although somebody is asking, Neil Skinner's asking you what color was Lovey. So I'm I'm assuming that during. Yeah, but Lovey wasn't the general manager. Exactly. That's you know, and we were happy when Lovey was hired as the first black coach. We said that's progress. Now we need progress, and we need progress in terms of ownership too of NFL teams and other sports teams. My goodness, I know you don't follow the NHL very closely or at all nowadays but there was this story about the racism that is going on in the nhl i mean that's appalling i've used that word before tonight right do they have black <laughs> players in the nhl i'm not even trying to be funny no no there's i, I want to say there's at least a dozen of them now and, and wow i and didn't know that i swear i didn't and yeah, many more in the pipeline. And but unfortunately, they're going through, you know, what Jackie Robinson and other pioneers in the game uh, have gone through. So, uh, nonetheless, um, let us talk about this. Uh, the now the the head coaching decision appears to be good. One of the reasons I asked you about the process is because they were interviewing head coaches at the same time that they were interviewing general managers. And so that leads to the question, well, who's going to be hiring this head coach? Is it going to be uh, Bill Polian or is it going to be the general manager, which is traditionally the way it's done? And so there's some really good stuff in the radio bites. Uh, uh, Spiegel says that Spiegel was the first one to break the story that Polls is going to be allowed to choose his head coach and that the reason that they were doing a lot of interviews is because it's so competitive for these coaches. So they wanted to get a jump start on talking to them. And so uh, that's why, you know, there's nine, there's currently nine open head coaching positions. I mean, well, that's what I, I don't do math very good, but that's, what's a third of the league, right? Or or a, what's between a fourth and a third? <laughs> I don't know. What I is. can't convert fractions to decimals <laughs> or anything like that anymore. I could in 1990, but not now. Yeah, I, I couldn't ever. <laughs> I use a calculator if I go to a restaurant to, to determine the tip. I'm like, what's 20%? I, I don't know. I witnessed that, too. <laughs> <laughs> you did. At least I want to give 20%, though, right? Yeah, absolutely. That, that was excellent of you. Um, so... So what do you think about this head coaching uh, decision? Man, I just don't want Jim Caldwell, and that has nothing to do with his race. Tell me why. Uh, because he's been away from the game a bunch of years. It's mm -hmm. been like three years, mm -hmm. or at least two full seasons. Mm -hmm. He's got to be close to 70. He wasn't really successful in Detroit. I think it was you that shared um, something on Twitter showing that he didn't run the ball in Indianapolis or Detroit. Yep, that was me. Yeah, I thought that I saw that from the bar room. And – you know, he took Donji's team to the Super Bowl. They lost. In Detroit, uh, you know, you could say, oh, it was Detroit, but he didn't really do that well. Mm -hmm. And by the way, not to shift, but I think you and I both, to pat ourselves on the back, at the beginning of the season or in the offseason, we were both advocating for Matthew Stafford. Yes, that's I think right. He told a lot of people to suck it on Sunday with that pass. Yep. Uh, connecting with Cooper Cup to set up that victory to beat Brady after a complete and utter collapse. Yep. I, I got, think Matthew Stafford was born. I forgot on to bring Sunday. that up. I forgot to bring that up with uh, 
with Greg Gabriel, who coached him and hated, uh, scouted him and hated him and uh, has maintained that same opinion throughout his professional career, saying he's just not a winner. He never didn't win in college. He didn't win at Detroit. He had plenty of weapons. He just stats his stuff, stats. And there's truth to all of that. But I always thought that it wasn't as much on him as it was the players around him and the terrible uh, uh, organization that he played for in Detroit. I thought the guy had a great arm. You remember, you remember seeing that in his rookie season, that comeback that he had, they had a mic, the NFL films had a microphone um, on him and he's rushing downfield with an injury to try to score a touchdown within two minutes. Do you remember seeing that? I don't honestly, but I do know throughout his tenure in Detroit, he had a lot of comebacks. Yes, he did. And, and and a lot of people are saying, well, that was because he was awful in, in the first three quarters. I don't care how it happened. The fact that he came back in the fourth quarter, I mean, you, you handed it to Mitchell Trubisky when he had his fourth quarter comeback. So it, it I've always thought he was much better. Way than better, some, way better than, yes. than he than he appeared in Detroit. Yeah. Way I thought. So you and I uh, were in agreement on that. It's and we both see. were advocating for the bears getting him when we were going through this. Oh, let's give up three draft picks for whomever Russell Wilson, you know, like what about Stafford though? But then again, I don't think anybody could have envisioned what Detroit was going to get in return. Right. All the draft picks that they got, but Hey, the Rams are two games away from winning a championship. And if they get there, they get to host the super bowl and now they host the title game. So it is plausible. Absolutely plausible. In fact, I know they're going to be in the Super Bowl. I, I just feel it, in my bones they're going to beat the 49ers. And I know the 49ers have a, a hex on the Rams right now, but I just feel it in my bones. This team is gelling at the right time. And that defense, you look at how Garoppolo looked against uh, Green Bay, and I know the conditions and all this and all that. He's going to look even worse against this Rams defense that is on fire. They that's uh, that's a team that I respect a lot. Definitely expect to see a Rams Chiefs uh, Super Bowl. And I always uh, liked Jimmy anyway, but when he said "fuck the Packers," yeah, that's right. That was awesome. Yeah, I thought it was Robbie when I first saw that's it. That's what I, I was thought. Like, no, it's actually Garoppolo. It says that. That's what I thought. Well, you know, I'm sure Robbie didn't disagree. <laughs> No, no, Robbie has said something like, I, I retweeted it earlier. Uh -huh. He was quoted as saying it felt so good to beat those guys in the playoffs, mm -hmm. oh. to beat Green Bay. So, yeah, Robbie's still got some bear in him. Mm. I, uh, you know, I, I like Robbie a lot. I know he got a lot of shit. And, and at, at the time when he went through that slump in uh, his last season with the Bears, I kind of advocated for, hey, it's time to bring some other kickers in camp. And hey, he missed two game winners in 2013, too. People forget that. Yes. Although I thought the one in Washington, I honestly thought that he made it, and no one else complained about that. But he, he missed that one in the Metrodome, too. Mm -hmm. Imagine if he'd have made that kick, because everyone then criticized uh, Tressman. They're like, oh, he kicked on second down. Mm -hmm. But just imagine if Robbie would have nailed that. Yeah, If he'd have made that kick, the Bears would have been 2013 NFC North Division champs. Mm -hmm. That rewrites Robbie a little bit and certainly rewrites Phil Embry, mm -hmm. Jay Cutler, mm -hmm. Mark Trussman. Yeah, how about that? How history can change. I, there's <laughs> a, a, a little bit of every time I see Dave Wanstat in an interview or hear him on the radio, I, I just think about how close he was to getting a winner and being a legendary Chicago Bears coach. His teams always fought hard. I think he was just a victim of, you know, circumstances with bad drafts and so forth you love yeah. him probably more than i ever have my appreciation yeah. grows every year for the guy what do you remember about dave wants that 
just like you said, when they would be four and twelve, and then but if you if you extrapolate that out, it'd be like, oh man, but if you add all the twelve losses together, they've lost by like a combined twenty points or something. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, the worst. That's a small exaggeration, but they were usually competitive mm-hmm. and with lesser teams. And he did more with less than a lot of people ever could. I thought Wani deserved more. But back then, the Bears front office, what this is kind of the reason I give George a pass on a lot of situations nowadays, is because back then they legitimately were tight and mm-hmm. didn't want to spend any money mm-hmm. under Michael McCaskey's watch. But George hasn't been like that. A lot of people forget, you know, Julius Peppers and Jay Cutler's contract and uh, Khalil Mack's contract and you know, they haven't been shy in the last decade plus mm-hmm. for for writing some checks, man. So uh, that's kind of why I appreciate George because well, he really does want to win. Maybe he doesn't know how I get that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the Wani thing, to answer your question, I thought Dave wants that. I thought he should have been coach of the year in 94. He didn't get that. I forget who got it over him. And I thought we were on our way. But, you know, just that Eric Kramer injury, 96, really set us back. And then the, they got desperate and traded for Rick Meyer and then – the rest is history. You agree with Mule when he uh, says uh, Wani was too nice of a guy to be a head coach? I don't know. I, I could see Wanstead having some fire. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen him certainly yell and shit on the sidelines when he was Bears coach, and it looked like he could fuck somebody up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I like the guy more and more, and uh, we'll listen to him in the media clips as well. So we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to react to the media stuff that we have uh, coming up here in a minute or two. We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers. I've got some tape of some of the national people firing on Aaron Rodgers. We're gonna oh, t- I loved it. We're going to talk more about the upcoming uh, playoffs and whatever else comes to mind um before i before i set up this uh media stuff anything strike you about today uh and the hiring today that was different perhaps than in the past when the bears have made the announcement of a general manager i i don't know if anything's different one thing one similarity bothered me uh, at least from what i read mm-hmm. from what i read they were saying that uh, polls was basically like Look, bro, I got to go now. I'm on my way to Minnesota for an interview. And we're like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't go to the Vikings. That's what we did with Matt Nagy. Yeah. Remember, Nagy was like, I'm going to the Colts interview now. And yeah. Pace was like, you knew you get to stay here. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, ooh, like maybe they should let him go to Minnesota. But there's no more second guessing now. He's the guy. Right. Well, and let let's me, hope let me, that he is the guy. Let me add something to that because it, it is the agent saying, all right, we've got our interview with the Vikings tomorrow. If they say anything about, well, you know, uh, if do you first the agent would say, do you really want the Chicago job more than any other job? And if the guy says, uh, Ryan Pohl said yes, then he, the agent will then say, all right, then keep talking about the interview you've got tomorrow and what time you got to leave and so forth, because they love you. I know they love you and they will offer you the job today. I think that's what happened there. You know, so I, I just hope he he's one of these guys that says we can win with fields because Ugh. even if it's a co if it's Jim Caldwell mm-hmm. and it's somebody I don't want, even Dan Quinn because they say he's tight with Dan Quinn. I mean, Dan, see twenty eight to three. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but that's on his legacy forever until it's not. It is and the only way it's not is if he wins one, mm-hmm. and hopefully if he's here, that's with us. But I'm just saying, even that hire doesn't make me happy. But whomever it is. For the love of fucking God, don't trade number one. Yep. I don't. I know a lot of people don't like him and think that he's a bust, but I think that's crazy talk. Yeah. 
I mean, he had a very disappointing uh, rookie season, but when you factor in what was going on. Yeah, exactly. All the dynamics around him. I mean, truly, uh, Allen Robinson not showing up this season for whatever reason, what, you know, whether it's injuries or he was discontent, whatever. He just was not on the team. He wasn't. And so it's just Darnell Mooney and a bunch of guys who prior to this season I had barely heard of. The one guy who came from the Patriots, you know, had a good season last season. But, Demir Bird. Yeah. But what did he do? What did uh, he the had other that guys great do? catch in the game in Seattle? And that's it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He had a touchdown against the Packers. Right. So you, you, and you factor in the fact that uh, the fields didn't play in the preseason with the number ones. There were so many things to make valid excuses. And I think use the word excuses, but that's what they are for fields. Uh, disappointing rookie performance. So you're absolutely right. One of the things I hope that they asked Ryan Poles is, do you have a copy of your scouting report on Justin Fields? I want to, I want to read what you said when he was coming out of the draft. And if you don't, then please let me know what was your honest assessment of him, because that it would be a huge determining factor. If some GM candidate answers that question was saying, well, we know we we had some problems with some of the tape that we saw and we had concerns about this and so forth, as opposed to somebody saying, I'll tell you why this is going to be a great quarterback, because he does this, he does that, he does that, and here it is on paper. This is how we evaluated him at, at Ohio State. Then all of a sudden, that guy shoots up to one of my top candidates. He's important. Fields is important. You got to make that work, because if not, Oh my gosh, we won't see a playoff game in Chicago till the end of the decade if that. That's the right now the the ups the upside between us and Minnesota is probably Fields. Mm-hmm. I know I know Cousins is someone that is better than a lot of people give him credit for statistically mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. And he's won a playoff game now. We can't uh, he won that game in New Orleans. But his contract has got to be like 35, 36 million. Mm-hmm. Fields is probably making like, you know, like a, a 2 million or something. Like, I don't yeah, know what it is. It's significantly yeah. less. Right. It's so huge. you can build a team around Fields right now on that quote unquote rookie contract. Exactly. It's not so prohibitive the way it would be in Minnesota if you took that job. Exactly. And so obviously then that's one of the questions. How are you going to take advantage of the fact that we have a, a, a burgeoning franchise quarterback at his rookie contract, how can you how can you get us a Super Bowl before we have to pay him fifty million dollars a year, and, and it adversely impacts our salary cap and makes it harder to bring in quality players? What's your plan for that? And so, hopefully, Ryan Poles has a good plan. I hope these questions are all asked at the media conference. If you want Dan or I to um, uh, appear at that media conference and just start some Twitter campaign <laughs> or something. I don't know. Mr. Poles, uh, I don't know if you know who number 58 is, but I think you need to resign him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that would be good. That, that, you know, can I introduce you to uh, number 12 on the roster? Because, <laughs> yeah, it, it is weird. Now, he officially signed today. The website, chicagobears.com, officially sent out the, the, the news and a photograph of him signing the contract. But they didn't announce when he's going to talk to the media. So I can't wait to hear him talk and see what's on his mind. And I hope that it's another 60-minute press conference and it's just him. And we don't need to hear from anybody else at this point until... Yeah, certainly not Ted. No, not... <laughs> Let's go Ted. to the corner. Let's go in the corner. He's in the closet. <laughs> That's the Hogan other thing. Johns is doing the podcast right beside him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the other thing about... 
they Omar Khan, who is, you know, by everyone's account, this guy is a genius with with the organizational part of running a, a, a team. You know, with the Steelers, he would handle the cap, he would handle this, all the money side stuff. Now, he apparently, according to uh, Jeff Hughes at the Bears blog, where everybody's commending for uh, some of the scoops that he's gotten, he's he's saying now that Khan uh, came in to interview for the executive vice president job, which would be over Ryan Poles. So isn't that weird? Again, getting back to the process question that I asked you to tap. If that is true, and he was, he came in for an interview, so far he's the only one that's interviewed for that job, that's the guy that usually makes a recommendation on who you hire to be the GM. And, and didn't it, didn't George kind of shit on that idea in his yes, press conference? Exactly. So I don't know if the guy from DBB got this wrong, or I, I don't know what's going on, but if it's true – it again just gives me pause. And and uh, uh, Greg Gabriel and I in today's show we kind of kind of had a heated moment. At least I did. I I started to lose my cool. He he said, "Calm down." He uh, Greg thinks that this was before the uh, report by Spiegel that uh, Ryan Poles deserve, needs help in choosing the quarterback. I mean uh, the head coach. And I'm like, well, why the fuck would you hired him to make these big decisions? And Greg and I went back and forth. I, I was actually getting irritated because the idea of hiring a general manager and now you want Ryan, uh, Bill Polian to advise him on who that coach would be. Well, well, then why hire the GM? That doesn't make any sense. So anyway. just as long as it's not Jim Caldwell, please, right. you know, uh, to use a political reference, one of the things during the campaign that uh, Trump always said was sleepy Joe. Mm hmm. I'm going to use that for Sleepy Jim. I don't know if Jim Caldwell's alive, but I assume he's asleep wherever he's at. <laughs> Maybe that's not fair, but Jim Caldwell's got to be 70 and he hasn't been in the league in two or three years. Why is he a coaching candidate? I, I, I don't like him because, again, you know, I think the when you hire coaches like people of John Fox's age and Jim Caldwell's age, you have to wonder if they are familiar with the modern game of football because offenses have changed dramatically. It is now about RPOs and, you know, uh, uh, rushing uh, or quarterbacks that can run with the ball and so forth. This is totally different than, than when Caldwell coached Peyton Manning and Matt Stafford. So it, it worries me a little bit. Plus, the other thing about Jim Caldwell, if Don Burr were here, the our resident uh, Detroit Lions fan, I'm sure he would vouch for this. In his last two years at Detroit, the fans hated him. They fucking hated him. I mean, they had a winning record, and they were chanting fire Caldwell. There was an, a couple of incidences where referees made bad calls against the Lions, and Caldwell didn't speak up for his players or his team. He basically kind of bent over and let the NFL ram him. Sleepy Jim. Sleepy Jim, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it, there are just some things about his past that I, I was doing the NFC North Barroom at the time, so I was following them very closely. There were just some disturbing things about that. So if this becomes true that Caldwell is going to get hired, I'll have a lot of uh, uh, research to do to bring yeah. up those stories in detail. Why? Like that's what I. Why would he be a top candidate? I don't. I, I don't know. I don't understand. He, you know, usually if you've been away from the game a few years, that's a huge. It's almost like if you wanted a job at Seven Eleven, mm -hmm. and you and you had a big hole in your resume, like I haven't had a job 
in the last two years or even if it's six months, they want to know why. What have you been doing? Have you been in jail? You know, like, <laughs> they, so I'm, so I'm saying, even if you want to work at a fucking gas station mm -hmm. and your resume has a hole in it, it brings up questions. So where has he been the last two years? I, I, I know that I think he got sick yes. as a coordinator or something in Baltimore. There. Well, again, I wish him well. I wish him immense health. I hope he lives to be a hundred, mm -hmm. but I don't know if, if, if you combine someone that's had uh, obviously a bad health problem mm -hmm. with the fact that he's close to seven, do we really need an, a, a baby boomer as head coach? I I hear you, man. I hear you. Why not just bring back Lovey then? If it's, if that's what it is, like we have to have a black head coach. I'm not saying they're saying that, no, but I'm just yeah. saying, if you want to bring some in old, somebody older, that maybe would command respect happens. But we'll bring Lovey back then. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would rather see that than Jim Caldwell. Um, let's not have any one of them. Adeptus. By the way, Adeptus, you are in the media reel. I uh, grabbed a portion of the uh, Under the Center podcast on the video version, and you had one of your comments up on the screen on the version that I picked up. So look for that. That's coming up uh, in a few minutes. Adeptus writes on this show, didn't Caldwell get hired as one of Flores' offensive corners, then had to depart due to medical issues? Just like you said, uh, Dan, the man is 67 years old. How many years he has left is morbid reality. <laughs> it's true. I mean, this so is, true. It, you know, frankly, the game, the coaching game has gotten younger nowadays. And I think there's a really good reason for that. You've seen, you know, if you follow football at all, like you have Dan and, and everybody that's here, I'm sure is like us. We follow football pretty closely. You remember what happened to Dick Vermeil? I mean, he was the, the burnout. Yeah, the classic burnout. And a lot of other coaches go through that too nowadays. What, what about Gary Kubiak? Remember, he won the Super Bowl with Denver in 15. Mm -hmm. And then I think maybe by 17, he collapsed on the sidelines. Like he yes. literally just, he like fainted, had some kind of heart issue. And he's kind of come back now. I think, I don't know what his position was in Minnesota, but even he, a man that's won a Super Bowl, they kind of take pause and not hire him. And he's significantly younger than Jim Caldwell. And he's won a Super Bowl, which Jim Caldwell has not done. He did get the Colts there. But my point is, sure. a guy that has won a Super Bowl probably can't get a gig and he's much younger, but he had health issues. So they're like, well, let's make you the offensive advisor or something. We don't want to put too much responsibility on you. Mm -hmm. You know, so if Kubiak can't get the gig, then why is Caldwell getting it? I, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Rob Down says, Caldwell reminds me of the fan hatred that the, the fans directed towards Jay Cutler, that type of hate. When a, What a guy looks like on the sideline has nothing to do with his ability. And Rob, I, I understand what you're saying. And it's not, you know, what he looks like. It's just simply the fact that he's in his late 60s. He's had health issues. He's been away from the game for a long time. To say that Anyone to say that, you know, he would be he would be able to get in there and immediately install a, a, a productive offense. How can you say that if he's been away from the game for what, four or five years now and the game is changing? So I just have a lot of doubts about Caldwell based on the fact that the game may have passed him up and how he has related with fans and his players. Now, a lot of players speak very highly of Jim Caldwell. But you know what? 
a lot of guys say a lot of stuff because they have to. Now look at all the all the complaints about Matt Nagy now that he's gone and so forth. So I think a lot of people, and when Caldwell was fired, I think a lot of people were were maybe not being a hundred percent honest. I'm but even if he is I'm a great guy and he's nice, the people that do support Matt Nagy would say the same thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah. uh, now we may think of it differently, of course, but. I'm just saying his his proponents, his advocates would say he's a good guy. And I'm not, I don't doubt that Jim Caldwell is a great guy. I have no reason to assume other than otherwise. Mm -hmm. But I just don't think that he – if you told me that we hired Todd Bowles or, or Dan Quinn or somebody like that and they wanted to make him an assistant or an advisor or something like that, then I'd be all for that. Yeah. I don't want him to be the head coach, though. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. I mean – if if a head coach felt strongly that he that uh, Caldwell or any senior citizen could help the team with coaching the offense or the defense or a position, I don't have a problem with that. I'm not I'm not an ageist, but that top position, I, I just feel like it's there's a reason why we're seeing younger and younger guys in there because it's an 80, 90 hour a week job because the league is changing and there's a lot of rule changes and so that requires new thinking, innovative thinking. And usually that's the province of younger people because they think outside the box more. So um, having said that. <laughs> yeah, I just thought of something. Can I interrupt? Please. <laughs> I, I, if I, I, I said this earlier, if I brought, if we brought Lovey back, I know that's not going to happen, but let's just say it did. Mm -hmm. I would say Lovey two things. A, you shave that beard. We don't want that beard. <laughs> two, <laughs> Two, this time I want you to go out and say our number one goal <laughs> is to beat not only the Green Bay Packers, but whatever team Aaron Rodgers runs to. Our it. second goal is to win the division. Our third goal, the <laughs> NFC Championship. Our fourth goal, to win the championship. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> totally love it. All right. Let's listen to what some of the media said today. These are all from a broadcast today. Uh, about the announcement that Ryan Poles has become the new general manager of the Chicago Bears. And it starts with a CBS TV news special report, local news. Here it comes. To that breaking news, after an extensive search, the Bears have landed on a new general manager. Marshall Harris is here. The Bears, Marshall, made sure they did not lose out on one of the hottest names on the market. After interviews with 13 different general manager candidates, the Bears have found their next GM in 36-year-old Ryan Poles. Poles coming to the Bears from the Chiefs, where he's been the executive director of player personnel. He's definitely been a hot commodity this offseason. Here's video taken by Eric Bone last night at O'Hare. A Bears chairman, George McCaskey, picking up Poles himself for interview number two. Poles was also a finalist for three other jobs this offseason, as well as one last offseason as well. He was scheduled to meet with the Vikings tomorrow, but McCaskey making sure to get a deal done before that was able to happen. His hire makes him the sixth black general manager in the NFL and the first in Bears history. He spent all 13 years with one NFL team, those Kansas City Chiefs. Now, well, listen, we are going to question these new hires regardless, right? <laughs> yes, and, that and, is and, true. and this, this, is, this is nothing against Ryan Poles. It's nothing against the next head coach of the Chicago Bears. It's just what the Bears have conditioned us to do over time and so we're just going to have to get used to that in the next few weeks few months you know leading up into to september of, of sort of balancing the excitement with the natural skepticism with the, i don't know how to feel about this because there's a lot of we'll see to this whole equation right yes. yeah absolutely so 
the the one thing that is being floated out there is that this will be his call on the coaching hire. Is that what you're hearing? And to us, that sounds good compared to what they've done in the past. It's what they've promised, right? And so you better not go back on your biggest promise right out of the gates. And, and I would imagine that in the early stages of these virtual interviews, they made that pretty clear to these candidates that, listen, we are going to give you some latitude to, to make this coaching decision. So we'd like to have an idea of what your shortlist looks like. Maybe we can vet a couple of these guys in advance while we're trying to, to match up lists for all these different guys. Remember, this is you know more than two dozen interviews that they did with GM and head coaching candidates. And so now it should be Ryan Poles' task to find the next coach. It should be a, a quick task because obviously there's a bunch of other teams still still in that hiring process. It seems like Brian Dable to New York is becoming escalating buzz that is going to at least disappoint a, a, a segment of this fan base here who sees what he could have been for Justin Fields. But now it's up to Ryan Poles to figure out what his vision is for that position. Uh, the head coaching position and the quarterback position in tandem, right, to try to set this thing off on the right foot. Do you look at it as a great thing that not only did he survive through three general managers, but like you mentioned, Carolina, the Giants, the Bears, the Vikings, they all viewed him as their possible general manager. He was a finalist for all four jobs. For sure, for sure. And it, it tells you about presence, right? It tells you about vision and presence in a guy and, and where that is. Now, you know, and, and listen, I've got some, some peripheral context just by, by luck with people in the, the Boston College football world, as, as Tommy does as well. And people speak very highly of, of who he was there as a player and, and what he brought to that program during that time. So, listen, all these guys that interview for a position for an NFL general manager role are going to be sharp. They're going to be talented. It's, it's not a lot of guys that get interviews are just complete boobs, right, and don't know what they're doing on any level. And so now it's just about applying that within the infrastructure of the team you join, within the dynamics of the team you join. If there's one red flag for me, it's that, it's that Ryan Poles is very, very young, right? He spent a lot of his time in one organization, like the Chiefs, right, just similar to, to Ryan Pace. And so the Bears hopefully learned through the Ryan Pace experience that they have to provide resources to a general manager who can, you know, help him recognize his blind spots, who can help him assist, you know, on landmark decisions that set the direction for a franchise that that can help him put out fires. One thing you hear a lot from first-time general managers and first-time head coaches is how startling it can be the amount of time you have to spend putting out fires. And so you have to take on this sort of mayoral role where you have to have a fire chief, right? Somebody that can help you put out fires so you can sort of tend to the more important business of of setting a foundation for a championship football team. These are all things that a young first-time general manager is going to have to learn, and they're things he's going to have to learn with uh, oversight from a chairman who has basically told you, I've never overseen a general manager before, and I'm going to need your help in overseeing you. I wouldn't blame anybody for being skeptical on a number of fronts with regard to the process. This process looks exactly like the last process, where a young first-time general manager is hired, and then there's concern because there is a veteran coach in the building right now who seems to be a, a, a finalist for this job. And you Direct don't, ties with the search guy. Yes, and the, I thought it was you know a great connecting of the dots on your behalf. I feel very strongly that Ryan Poles is going to be able to name his own coach. Sure. Here's hoping that this particular situation is breaking that cycle. Well, I could get behind this now yeah. because knowing the fact, I'm good with... 
giving the benefit of the doubt to Ryan Poles, yeah. knowing that this isn't a Ted Phillips, Bill Polian, right. George McCaskey arrangement with Jim Caldwell. If Ryan Poles lands on Jim Caldwell because he believes Jim Caldwell's the best guy to have around Justin Fields with his offensive game plan, I'm good with it. I am too. I do not want a coach getting hooked up in arranged marriage without the two dating and without the two consensually agreeing that they belong together to start at ground zero of building, hopefully, the next great Bears team. You don't want the foundation of the relationship to be poisoned from the yeah, beginning. Yeah, it would be flawed from the start, and we told you all the reasons why the the John Fox-Ryan Pace arrangement was bad. Ryan Pace doesn't get to uh, get the coach he wants. He never fully feels like it's his guy. Then when he wants to finally draft his quarterback, he can't trust John Fox, so he doesn't tell John Fox. But then he has to t- trust John Fox to develop him in his rookie year and the process doesn't make any sense now going forward ryan poles hires his new coach who they get on the same page building out the coaching staff building out the scouting department they surround justin fields with the right players and they surround him with the right environment to develop him as a quarterback and then you uh hope for the best and right and no guarantee that it would work but it's a better process. No George doubt. McCaskey is going to let Ryan Poles drive this head coaching search bus completely. And I hope so. That is a big deal. I'm 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 reporting that from sudden sources that have been made available. So, yes, I I like that they've hired the head the GM first and I I've got been given some reasoning as to why they had to get out there. And interview all these coaches because there are now nine head coaching jobs available, man, with Sean Payton stepping away. So they had to get out there and 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 meet all these guys, learn from all these guys. And now some of these candidates are here, like Jim Caldwell, who's interesting, Dan Quinn um, and Matt Eberflus. And maybe that's not all of them, but Ryan Poles is going to be driving the bus on these interviews. And I think that's a very healthy thing that I didn't necessarily expect to be the case. I, I hope that your sources are on the money with this. That would be great because that's what should happen. What should happen is you go through this this exhaustive two and a half week search to try and find someone to replace Ryan Pace, and then you say, "All right, this we got the guy that that has the vision that we like." Then get out of his way and let him do the next part. Go and set up what whatever it is that you have have going on from a, a coaching standpoint, and let him decide. Yeah, I want to talk with Brian Flores because we have this connection going back to Boston College. Sure. Or, or, yes, I would very much like to talk with Jim Caldwell because he's someone that hasn't gotten a lot of interviews and maybe deserves it. I would love to hear what he has to say about all of this stuff. Allow that person to then chart their own future and the future of your franchise or else you didn't trust them to begin with. Absolutely. And because it has to be about the synergy of a healthy organization. It has to be... A, um, a a scouting and development program that is supplying the coach with the players that he needs to implement what he wants to do and vice versa, or else it just freaking doesn't work, you know? And, and, and so hopefully that that's what we're going to get. And along the way, you know, we'll learn about Ryan Poles together. This is a scouting guy. Poles is a scouting guy. It's not like Omar Khan, who was largely a salary cap guy and an infrastructure guy or, Quisi Adolfo Menso, who is an incredibly thoughtful, multiple-degreed guy, bringing analytics and a and a whole batch of other things to it. This is this is for, first and foremost a scouting guy who has risen through the ranks, but will bring hopefully the health 
of the Kansas City front office and how they've done things as a model to to uh, to do what must be done. It is true that Jim Caldwell's at, in the building today. I think that's more coincidence than anything else. Remember, Todd Bowles was in the building the same day Ryan Pace got hired. They said, hey, Ryan, here's the job. Uh, Todd Bowles down the hall. Why don't you go talk to him? Uh, it does give you a little bit of that same type of feeling, which you don't necessarily love. But I was told that Dan Quinn uh, and uh, Matt Eberflus are serious candidates. And they, it's not like they're going to hire Jim Caldwell today. He's Ryan Poles will talk to all of these guys. And if there is another one, um, I think some others have thrown out a relationship he has with Brian, with Brian Flores. So maybe we'll see where that, where, where that goes. Wani, what'd you think about Ryan Poles being picked up by the Bears? Well, I thought it was, I was hoping it was going to happen. I mean, God, uh, you know, I was a pretty hot candidate when I came out of uh, that Super Bowl with Dallas and no one ever picked me up at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I said, if George is out at the, at the Chicago airport, you know, picking uh, a, a, pr a prospective uh, general manager up, this thing's got to be serious. And, and, you know, just talking to people at Kansas City over, you know, we had, we had the Super Bowl a couple of years ago and uh, talking to people down there, you know, two, two players are on the staff, Andy Heck, who uh, played for me at the Bears. And Andy and I are good friends. And Sam Madison works with the defensive backs. He was one of my corners at, at the Dolphins. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about a, a very intelligent young man. We're talking about a guy that that's really smart. I like that he was in college scouting before he kind of came the executive director or whatever his title was. What that tells me is because, you know, the, the pro scouting, everybody knows when there's a great player available that's a Pro Bowl player. Let's let's face it. We all could pull out the list of five Pro Bowl players. But the ones that you really have to do your homework on and you got to be thorough on and you better have a good system in place uh, is a college scouting. And that's where he got most of his, you know, at least his initial training or his initial work, I should say, uh, with the Chiefs when he first started off. So I like those points about him. And uh, he's got to be a great – I just hope he's a great communicator. Everybody says he is. Because, you know, as a general manager, he's going to have to deal with all aspects of the organization. Coach, he worked with uh, Scott Pioli, uh, John Dorsey, yeah. and now yeah. Brett Veach. What do, that's where I want to point out this is different from Ryan Pace working in the same regime with the Saints for like his entire career. Yes, Ryan Poles has been with the Chiefs for 13 years, but it's been under different management above him. In what ways do you think that that gives him – um, maybe some diversity in the way he looks at football decisions. Well, I think it's really good. You know, that, that would probably, and, and I'm glad that that was brought up because uh, otherwise, if you ask me what the negative might be, I was going to say just exposure to one way of doing it at the Chiefs. But you just broke that completely apart, which in a good way. I mean, you're talking about two or three really good general managers that have had success and have, have competed for Super Bowls and won Super Bowls. And uh, so I think that's great. I mean, I, I, that really, that was the only thing that I wasn't sure about. And, and, and you just got that, we just got that cleaned up right now. So uh, no, I, I'm excited. You know, he's a young guy too. He'll be able to kind of relate to regardless of who they hire is the head coach. You know, he's going to, He's going to be up on the times. Up, and I hate to say up on the times, but uh, you know, up up to speed with, with the younger players nowadays. Let's face it, times have changed. These players are different now than they were back when I got the job, for example. 
So, you know, some of the coaches that they're talking to are guys that have been around for a while. So I think it's a good mix. I really do. I'm here to tell you, this is, again, not me trying to sensationalize what just took place for the Bears. But early on, it was so clear to me that Ryan had such a special quality about him, a lot of special qualities about him. But what I've learned more and more is that there are a lot of ways that general managers can fail in the NFL. But near the top are when you just can't let go of the power and you're too focused in on being the person responsible for the entire operation that you're not willing to delegate, you're not willing to surround yourself with smart people, you're not willing to surround yourself with people that aren't going to be yes men. You have to have a sincere humility. And I've always felt like that's one of Ryan's greatest qualities. You know, I got to see it up close working together. I got to see it through when I was at his wedding and seeing people that, you know, were, were part of his life from start to finish. And the humility was something that I stored away. It's like, I think this guy is going to go somewhere big. Uh, he's been a finalist for last year was the Carolina job. And then obviously he was a finalist for not just the Giants job, but the Vikings job as well. So like the NFL was on to this. Uh, I think this is going to be a process oriented regime. And I know that's one of those words that get thrown around a ton. And what does it mean? But like, I don't think Brian Poles is coming to Chicago and trying to come up and, and find the, the fastest way to the top, right? Like, I'm sure if opportunity knocks, he'll explore every avenue. But I think he understands that this is about building a team. And I know we talk about players like Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and, of course, Patrick Mahomes when we're watching what Kansas City did on Sunday. But if you go through that roster, they found some guys through the yeah. college scouting process that have made the difference between them being a team that's you know, really good every year to them being a team that's made four straight AFC championships all being played at home. So I know the Bears don't have a first-round pick this year, and so I know your most obvious avenue to acquire an elite talent is gone, but I wouldn't be surprised if that is no distraction at all to Ryan Poles. You've got Justin Fields, and it's going to take some time, obviously, because some of the stuff you're going to have to do is kind of undo some of the things that have taken place over the past few years. But I think if Bears fans are geared up for a fun ride. There is one ahead with polls. I think that this is going to be one that, and I know, and I know what there are, there are going to be corners of the internet right now, maybe even corners of Bears fans that are saying to themselves, every hire, everybody has somebody that gets on the microphone and says, this is the best thing ever, and this guy is great. And, you know, some of those become old takes exposed a few hmm. years later, right? Right. Like, uh, yeah. I've been telling people who would listen for the past few years, because it was getting close these past few years for Ryan, is that, like, if I had to put money on someone, this is somebody I put my money on. Hmm. And uh, thrilled for him, thrilled for the Bears. Uh, you know, there was a lot to be excited about just because of Justin Fields. But, like, at some point we have to turn that excitement into action and win. Um, I don't know who the coach will be yet, obviously. None of us do. But uh, some of the candidates involved seem like, you know, quality leaders of men. And, I don't know, I just think this is a day that Bears fans should be – I know they're excited, but I feel like this is the kind of excitement that's going to rear itself in – a lot of success in the next handful of years here as well. That's a, if this doesn't work out, people are going to come after you around these parts. Let me tell you. <laughs> that, I mean, you can't get hey. a more ringing endorsement yeah, than it, I mean. It's I, like when Riddick called the Maserati Mitch. Right. Right? Yeah, that's I, what I, I feel I'm we're coming for you about. next. But I mean, you're speaking so hey, glowingly. And our friend Matt Miller, our regular contributor Matt Miller, says, I've written a lot about polls in the last year. He was my top available GM candidate based on his work as a scout and director. He's worked under multiple GM styles in Pioli, Wolf, and Reed, and is his own blend of those experiences a very good scout, but also understands culture. I don't think Chicago could have done better. Great. I hope you're right. I hope he's right, too. I Where, where I'm at with any of this is, unless it was just odorous, 
any of these hires that the Bears make, my reaction is going to be George. Congratulations, George McCaskey. You've cleared the lowest bar possible. (laughs) And our friend Matt Miller, our regular contributor Matt Miller, says, I've written a lot about polls in the last year. He was my top available GM candidate based on his work as a scout and director. He's worked under multiple GM styles in Pioli, Wolf, and Reed, and is his own blend of those experiences a very good scout, but also understands culture. I don't think Chicago could have done better. Great. I hope you're right. I hope he's right, too. I where, where I'm at with any of this is, unless it was just odorous, any of these hires that the Bears make, my reaction is going to be, okay, let's see what happens next. There it is. Unfortunately, this is something that just takes practice in order to to figure out if it's the right person or not. And I don't mean practice as in practicing the job, but putting his his work into practice. Yeah, there there's there was nothing that they were going to do from the list of people, you know, the 30, 40 people that could be hired as as GM or head coach that I was going to be like, ah, that's a terrible move. All of it is just kind of like, all right, they have their new direction and let's see what that bears. And that's the end. to make it seem like it was a bad hire because I don't know. Right. But I'm just saying the fact that they're praising him on that is, is, I mean, it didn't work out with Phil and Phil kept talking about, we want to win multiple championships. Remember that was his vernacular. His vernacular was multiple championships. Mm -hmm. So I thought I heard that and thought, well, fuck yeah. Mm -hmm. But he lasted what? Three years. Uh, Yeah. Was was it three? Yeah. Uh, One with lovey and two with trust me. Yes. Yeah, so how bad was that? It was bad. It was. It was horrendous. So, I, you know, I don't know how to feel about this, to be honest with you. It's just simply not knowing the candidate. You know, I, I, I like the resume, the fact that he has worked for three different GMs. So, the, you know, he, he was only with Kansas City, which is sometimes can be viewed upon as when you're with one organization. Well, he's got that Ryan Pace, uh, you know, X mark against them. The fact that he survived three GMs, that's good. And the fact that he seemed to be a super hot commodity, that's good. The fact that, you know, uh, there have been some excellent draft picks uh, done by the Kansas City Chiefs while he was there, that's good. So everything appears to be good. I want to see how he, he does in this press conference. And I know press conferences are just that press conferences, but I do think that they give you a little bit of a window to how these people communicate with others. When you heard Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy talk, were you inspired at all? Did you you get like a really good indication of what the vision was for the team? Never. Those guys were awful at communicating. So you you don't think that was just with us when communicating with the media. No, that's probably the same thing when they're communicating with their peers, with their the people they work with, with the people who report to them and so forth. So that to me is going to be important. I want to see uh, Ryan Pose. And that name, by the way, is going to get me. 
Someone's going to accidentally write Ryan Pace. <laughs> yes. Ryan one. Pace. Or the other thing that I, I keep thinking is Scott Poles. Who the fuck is Scott Poles? I, I don't know anybody named Scott Poles. I don't know anyone named Scott Poles either. <laughs> I don't want to know. You anybody. know, this is maybe this is just a visceral reaction and it's not what I really think. And maybe it's just that we're all the product of here and now, but over the years, I'm telling you, the two guys that I hated hearing speak the most were Pace and Nagy. Mm-hmm. In terms of their vernacular or their dialect, their their accent, something about I just hated hearing Pace talk. And then because of Nagy and his just ineptitude, he I didn't want to hear him talk anymore either. Oh, but over the years, seriously, can you think of anybody else that sounded that annoying. Maybe that's just my personal opinion. Annoying. I love to hear Ditka talk. I liked to hear Wani talk. Even Dick Jerron was really quiet, but mm-hmm. wasn't annoying. Mm-hmm. Totally agree with you. I would say, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Neil Armstrong, who came to the Bears from the Vikings, that guy was gruff, had no personality in his press conferences. And back then, you And you, Fox, too. I just thought about Fox. Go another ahead, one, John Fox, is a perfect example. Jack Pardee, who was a coach that I liked a lot uh, during, but he was not also a great communicator. Um, who else? Uh, Dick Duran. I'll never, ever, ever forget when he was introduced in a press conference, his eyes were so fucking wide. It looked like he was terrified at the moment. I'll never forget Mark Giangreco, the WLS uh, sports reporter here, saying, boy, it looks like a deer caught in the, in the headlights. And that's exactly what it looked like. And he was just not a very inspiring uh, speaker. And, you know, people my age, we know Mike Ditka. He was the most entertaining head coach maybe of all time. He's up there with, what, John Madden and a couple of other great quote uh, uh, head coaches. Mike Ditka was a gift to TV, to fans, always said something controversial, always said something colorful, whether you agreed with him or not. He George was, Allen, too. George Allen, yeah, that's a good one, especially when uh, during those Super Bowl Redskins uh, years. He was a great quote machine. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I hope that this – New GM, uh, Ryan Poles, and whoever he hires at head coach are going to guys be guys that when they talk, you listen and you get inspired and you get fired up. I don't want to go through John Fox again. I don't want to go through Matt Nagy again. I don't want to go through any of these. Well, we losers. don't want to hear Jim Caldwell. <laughs> <laughs> and and you're right. You know, I I probably saw that season. I probably saw twelve. Uh, Jim Caldwell press conferences uh, over that 16 game regular season. And boy, oh boy, a lot of times he was being defensive. The media at that point was really after him. There were a couple of Detroit columnists, uh, David Burkhead, but more so, and and Don Burr would know these guys, uh, Oscar Morenz and a Hispanic guy. He went after Caldwell like, man, he like, if he was a, uh, a member of a, of, of a, foreign terrorist organization. He just thought he was uninspiring and not calling the right plays and blah, blah, blah. And so that's kind of soured me on Caldwell a little bit. So yeah, I'm with you, man. Let's bring in, I I would love to find another Sean McVay. Jesus Christ. I mean, how old was he when he was, he got hired by the Rams? Do you remember? I think he was 12. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I, I like the Flores guy from Miami too. Yeah, see, the thing is, is that he's considered to be a micromanager. 
there, there were like three or four coaches that either were fired or quit because they could not work with the guy. And then his relationship with Tua, you know, was strained. Now, during the Greg Gabriel show, we were talking about this and somebody in the chat room, I forgot who, saying, well, wasn't Bill Belichick a micromanager? Was, isn't he a micromanager? Isn't, isn't his relationship sometimes strained with players? I don't know about that. And if it is, the guy's been winning Super Bowls, so he can get away with that shit. But Flores, I would love to, you know, he's definitely gotten good results and there's been a lot of good things about him, but I would love to know more about this micromanagement allegation and and him being just uh, uh, a difficult person to work with. Well, I mean, I would definitely like to have him over Jim Caldwell. I don't mean to keep kicking Jim Caldwell. (laughs) I don't know much about this guy from Indianapolis either, but I have to admit when I just seeing his face makes me feel like, Oh no, not that guy. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, Eberflus and uh, Ryan Poles, they have the same agent, Trace Armstrong, former Chicago Bears uh, uh, defensive end who is now owns, he's co-owner of his own talent agency. And so both of those guys uh, are, 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 uh, have Armstrong as their agent. So do you think that matters? Do you think that might mean that um, Eberflus has now an inside track to be the head coach because he and his boss, the, the Bears GM, have the same agent. God, I hope not. Yeah, I hope not either. I mean, it might it might help in negotiations, uh, but you know, like for instance, hey, if you guys are interested in Matt Eberflus, let's uh, you know m- maybe they talked about that when they were signing Ryan Poles. We'll we'll give. Eberflus special consideration because, you know, in negotiations with the agent, I don't know, uh, but it could be. Either way, I don't know much about him either, although I did see hard knocks this year. Uh, it was a in-season, the last seven, eight uh, regular season games of the Colts season. So I saw him interact there. He seems like a good leader, seems like a smart guy. It's hard to gauge that defense because they were stacked with talent. You know, you want to see a defensive corner really get great results with bad talent, then, you know, I, I think you have to look at the season Sean Desai had with everybody on that defense just falling week to week to week. Mac gone, uh, uh, Akeem Hicks gone, on and on, uh, you know, such key players in the loss of Kyle Fuller and so forth. I think that Sean Desai did a lot with little. What do you think? Um, I'm not ready to say, oh, he's, we have to keep him. No, I don't think that's going to happen. It, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, your points are certainly valid and it's something worth thinking and considering uh, for sure. But I, I don't know. I just, I, I'm kind of 50, 50 on Desai. I'm not sure how much praise to give him or how much blame to give him. But the fact that, you know, Mac only played what, six, seven games, whatever that was. And he was hurt since week three and was trying to fight through it. So he really wasn't even himself. Uh, yeah. And, you know, there were, remember that great game we had with nobody in the secondary at all? Mm-hmm. Which game, which one was that? It um, was the second to last game, I believe. It, it wasn't, wasn't it the Monday night game? The punk- Yeah. Yeah. Against Minnesota. We yeah. ended up losing, but still there was like the, the inspiring effort from defense was, it was fantastic. just incredible. Yeah. Uh, a number of people in the chat are disagreeing. They don't like Sean Desai. He's just a guy. Sean Desai was 22 points in uh, uh, 22 in points allowed this season. He sucked. See, I don't see it that way. Those stats are are 
uh, don't really paint the full picture. When you have an offense that's turning the ball over, that is and moving the sticks and so forth, you're putting too much pressure on the defense. That fantastic game with the Kansas City Chiefs uh, this past weekend that went with the Buffalo Bills and went back and forth in that last fourth quarter, every team scoring on each position, the last several possessions, uh, that was the result of a defense that was just gassed. That those both of those defenses were gassed, man. They were out there, and they players were running past them, and the defenders were just slowing down because they had run out of energy. And that that happened week to week to week with the Bears' uh, defensive uh, defense, and the talent that they that they had was weak. So, I think Sean Desai did a really good job. And watch, mark my words, Sean Desai is going to be a successful head coach in this league. Mark my words on that one. Well, I hope it that's not here now. That would be no. higher that I would be opposed to. See, yes, I agree. Like just like Matt Nagy was too, uh, he was too young for the job, too inexperienced. Sean decided the same thing. Although I don't think Matt Nagy will ever be a good head coach, given that he was given a fantastic opportunity in over four years of time he never progressed he made the same mistakes over and over again i agree with that and the the just thinking about him is again why initially to bring it full circle the reason i was opposed to this general manager hire when i first woke up i don't want any more fourth and goals from the one in a shotgun and that's what that kansas city offense does and and i honestly believe that all of these guys have been inflated in kansas city because of Mahomes. Mm-hmm. If you take Mahomes out of that equation, and as you know, I'm not a fan of Mahomes. Really? <laughs> no, but I, I I have to give the guy credit, though. You know, I mean, to me, he's made everyone else look better at their jobs with his talent. Mm-hmm. You know, he has elevated the entire team, mm-hmm. the entire front office. And we've seen that. We've had, look, we hired Terry Shea because the Chiefs season in 03 with Trent Green and Priest Holmes. Oh, we've got to have Terry Shea and the Kansas City offense. And that's why we kicked Anthony Thomas out the car and said we brought Thomas Jones in to run the KC offense. That didn't work by 05. He was gone. And as we know what happened with Matt Nagy, I didn't want Kansas City light anymore. I don't like that offense. And I don't think it would have worked at all without, unless Mahomes was there mm-hmm. or Mahomes were there. Anyway, you got the point. Mm-hmm. Without Mahomes, I don't think any of these other KC guys are getting this much love. So is he here as a product of someone that's been overloved because of the success of number 15? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point. Interesting point. Now, Ryan Poles was there. He was one of the scouts who evaluated Patrick Mahomes. So that's going to be interesting to see when he's asked that at a press conference, what was your evaluation of Patrick Mahomes and how did he compare to Mitchell Trubisky? Cause you know, that question is, is, is going to be fired at him and it should be. And I hope that he gives an honest answer. You know, we had uh, Mahomes way ahead of Mitch because of this, 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 this. And if it's the other way around, give me the detail, make me, make me believe what you're saying, be authentic, be transparent. It really, really will endear you to Chicago Bears fans, young, middle-aged, and old. There's no doubt about that. All right. That game last week or this weekend with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills goes into overtime. Do you know the the, the, the particulars? Because I know you didn't see the game. I watched it up until the midway of point, through the second quarter, but I had to go and run a couple of errands because uh, I was about to work 16 hours, midnight to four, so I had to go get some food and a couple of things. So I was listening to it on Sirius in my Jeep when I was driving around town. Okay. So I heard 
Buffalo's touchdown, KC's touchdown, and then Buffalo scored again. With I didn't hear uh, or know how they drove down the field, and then I heard the field goal that tied it to go into overtime. And then I went in the house and watched the final drive when they scored without Buff, you know, Buffalo not getting a shot. That doesn't bother me. It doesn't. In fact, no. I mean, and in fact, I was rooting for Buffalo, but I mean, hell, back in the day. The overtime rule was if we kick the field goal, fuck it, you don't get another shot. Yeah, but there's so at a, least they changed it because it, that wasn't right. So well, I'm maybe, just saying, then don't allow Mahomes to go get a touchdown. Then. Okay, I mean well, that doesn't bother me. That I, that honestly, I don't think it was unfair at all. Uh, this well, isn't college. I, I've got but, a different point of view, but I want to play Larry David uh, from Curb Your Enthusiasm. This is his take on the OT. Do you like the overtime rules? The overtime rules are so ridiculous. Okay. So I win a coin toss. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I score a touchdown. Yes. And the other team, they're done. Yes. Right. No good. Mm. Why do they not have a chance? So now a coin toss <laughs> is deciding the winner of a game. Nothing makes sense in this world. I need I I, I need to be president, not just NFL commissioner. <laughs> I would actually sign for that. <laughs> no, the coin toss yes. is, is so idiotic. I mean, it's not idiotic. Give the other team a chance. Mm, I agree. Give the other team a chance to come back. I agree. Exactly. One team scores. It's not fair. It's just not fair. Let's do what's fair. Mm -hmm. Larry David on the Rich Eisen podcast. So here's my idea. Eliminate the Can I I say this real quick? Please set it up before your idea. Mm -hmm. Anton Shagur would completely disagree with this coin flip. He was the character from No Country for Old Men. That made you flip the coin if you lived or died. I just wanted to say that. But anyway, go ahead. That's good. Um, Eliminate the coin toss. So the game is tied late in the fourth quarter. Everybody knows that when it hits 0-0-0, what they do is stop the game and extend the fourth quarter into sudden death. So there is no coin flip. There is no kickoff. You continue to play. The fourth quarter is now elongated, and your contention, the defense should just stop. That now applies. You have to play for a fourth quarter sudden death and play possession ball in order to achieve that last possession in into that extended fourth quarter. That's my idea. You think it's a good one or a bad one? I'm not opposed to that because, like you said, there are a lot of times where they'll just take a knee and shit like that, yeah, right? which I think is crazy. And I think if anything, Brady proved that that was crazy in that Super Bowl mm-hmm. th- 36 mm-hmm. when Madden and Summerall, whom I love both dearly and, and, you know, wish that they were still around calling games oh, yeah. and just for their family and everything else. They both were saying during that broadcast that they have to run the clock out and go to overtime and New England went down the field and scored mm-hmm. and won the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I don't like the, let me just say, I don't like the overtime rules and I don't like that the switch in regular season, it's only 10 minutes. So they set up so many other ties Mm -hmm. because basically in overtime in the regular season. Now, if you don't score and the other team doesn't score, it's almost a guaranteed tie. Mm -hmm. And I I don't like that at all. I don't want, I don't like ties. I agree. I agree. Uh, But for the postseason, maybe, 
maybe both teams should touch. Maybe that would make it more fair. I, but I don't know. I don't want the college rule, though. Yeah. I don't want that both teams starting from the fucking 20 or whatever it is. College rule is is fun. I'll tell you that. But, yeah, I don't think it, 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 it should exist in the NFL. Patrick O'Donnell says, my idea is the same thing as having the coin Patrick toss. O'Donnell, our punters here? <laughs> hey, Patrick. I hope you sign a nice big fat contract this offseason. Bring him Patrick back. Patrick O'Donnell is like the only player and the, the, the model that Patrick O'Donnell has with his contracts is what every team should have in the NFL. One-year contracts. Unless you're a superstar. One-year contracts. That's the way to do it. Well, I get He's burned. gotten a one-year contract like the last five years. Yeah, exactly. I love that. But this Patrick O'Donnell says that's essentially what that coin toss is, though. What's different? What's different is, Patrick, is let's say with 30 seconds to go, it's first down and 10, you've got the ball, the game is tied. You know that when that whistle blows at the, the end of the fourth quarter, it's still your ball. There is no coin toss. And so you, you continue to play to, to score in regulation. It's just the fourth quarter is elongated. You don't have to stop. You don't have to flip a coin. Although the TV networks would hate that because it would now mean that they don't get the opportunity to make millions of dollars in these fucking commercials that are just driving me up the wall. And every time I'm at a football game and I'm sitting there in the cold for five, six minutes and the players are out there in the middle of the field doing the same thing and it's because they're playing commercials, that really pisses me off. It really pisses me off when Mahomes is in like two or three commercials in a row, too. It <laughs> right. makes me not like him even more. So Dan and I are having an argument on uh, on uh, the, uh, Sunday night. He hates Patrick Mahomes with a passion, and I don't get it. I don't get. He's why. overexposed, man, and he's the guy. He's gonna get. He's gonna get every call Sunday because they do not want Cincinnati in the Super Bowl versus. Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know about that. Joe Burrow I, is a star in the making. He well, the, okay, maybe maybe so, but their golden boys are Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. They want one of their golden boys in the Super Bowl, and it was I knew man that when I quit watching it was on that third and goal when uh, the Chiefs were stopped, and then that bullshit flag came out, and of course they got a touchdown after, and I was like, man, fuck this! I'm so sick of people like Patrick Mahomes always getting help and preferential treatment that they don't deserve. They have everything handed to them. Now, I will give him credit for that 13 seconds at the end of the game. Who would have thought that he could have done that? He deserves mass praise for that. I, but all I things, thought that he could, <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> I'm just saying all things equal, he always gets help. He's already on a team that's got more talent than most anyone else in the league. The officials help him, and then he's on every commercial. It just... I, he's again, he's the poster boy of the league. He's like, he's like the boss's son. You know what I mean? But he's all, the guys. He's, he's like Pat. He's like uh, Roger Goodell's fucking bitch. And I, I can't, I can't stand him for that. See, I, you know, he's the guy that's pulling in, in a sports car when you have an 81 Honda, you know, <laughs> I don't see it that way. I think he's earned everything that he's gotten. Here's the, the guy in his first season as a starter, essentially his rookie season has a 5,000 plus yard, uh, 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 th throwing passing yards. 
that's phenomenal. And then the way that he did it, you know, underhanded passes. Oh, passes that's underhand. my it. fucking nephew could throw underhanded when he was two days old. I think. Yeah, you know what? I I, I don't I don't <laughs> see other NFL quarterbacks doing it. Uh, he's he's. But they're always like, oh my god, did you see that? Eldo? Because we they weren't seen that before. He threw it underhand. And it, oh, we were orgasmic. It. Their reaction is just dry. Collinsworth. Oh my God. He would like to suck I, any of the three guys' dicks. Robbie says, Come on, man. Mahomes is great. Uh, the, I didn't say the way he wasn't great. I'm saying he gets preferential treatment because he's their guy. He's from, from he's the with officials. State Farm. He's on every fucking commercial. He he's is their a, guy the way Peyton Manning was their guy. I see. I don't know why you hate him for that. It's the, he's gotten the benefits of these endorsements. He's accepted it. It's extra money. He's building some wealth for him and his family. I don't understand why he is your object of frustration. I always have hated guys that have just, it's been accepted that they're the guy, you know, like I, but I, if it happened I told to you, Justin I hated Fields. Peyton Manning. Yeah. You hate, hate, you hate Michael Jordan. I don't hate Michael Jordan. Tell us. I think Michael Jordan threw uh, Russell to the floor in 98. I still think <laughs> anybody else on that team. And I was rooting for Chicago. I didn't like Utah. That's what I'm saying. But I was like, oh, man, if anybody else, even Pippen, if he, if Russell's on Pippen, that's called an offensive foul. It's That's what I'm saying, though. I don't like it when, you know, a guy like that, and that, that's just my opinion. Mm -hmm. Now, everyone else can say, oh, that was a great move. And, you know, Russell just, uh, it was so great. Russell fell on his own. He tripped like it was a fucking Three Stooges episode. Okay, whatever. He was pushed to the ground. But if you want to say he wasn't, that's fine. My, my point is, though, that someone like Jordan gets all the breaks and all the help. And I resent that is what I'm saying. And I, I, like I was telling you over the years, I hated Brett Favre, all the, the announcers, including Madden, who I loved. They loved Brett Favre. They loved Rodgers. They, they loved Peyton Manning. Regardless of what they did, it's just a constant capitulation of the superstar and all the help that they can get. And I, and I, I don't like that guy. Maybe it's because I want our team to be that guy. Maybe that's it. I Maybe know I'm that's jealous. it. Maybe I'm envious. That's exactly it. I'm glad you've recognized it. Maybe that's it. But I love John Elway, but he wasn't forced down my throat. You know, it was you he know, has John Elway. my throat. I bought some sofas uh, that he endorsed the John Elway uh, Easy Boy chairs, and those fucking things broke six months into it. <laughs> <laughs> that piece of shit. <laughs> anyway, and even even Montana, <laughs> I I was afraid of Montana as a Bears fan and thought he was, oh god he's great, and that proved to be true in in '88 or even right. in the Super Bowl against yep. Cincinnati. Oh yeah, because I was rooting against him both times. But I, I was afraid of him as a fan, and I thought he was so good. But I didn't hate him the way I, – I hated him in the sense I didn't like San Francisco, but I didn't hate him because I thought that he was legitimately that good, and you could have put him on the worst team in the league, and he's going to be great. I think you put Mahomes on the worst team in the league, he's going to throw 30 picks. Who but is having it? said that – Who is it? <laughs> I don't think Joe Montana would have. I think Joe Montana is going to elevate – I, I think Steve Young would have. I don't. I think Steve Young's in the Hall of Fame just because he was on a team of Hall of Famers. Both of those I didn't guys. I like Ray Aikman either, by the way. Both of those guys had great success because of the system, because of Bill Walsh. I mean, Steve DeBerg looked like a hell of a fucking quarterback before they picked up Joe Montana. I remember DeBerg did well, like throughout his career, though. Yeah, but he was like, if they never picked up Joe Montana, I bet you Steve DeBerg would have had a couple of Super Bowl rings. 
because he, he, you know, that whole uh, Joe Montana is one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. So I don't mean to demean him when I say it was the system that helped him win as often as he did. Um, well, I, that could be true, but let me just point out, I think off the top of my head, 78 is the first year they went to 16 games. I think they were two and 14 mm -hmm. and then they draft Montana. And as we know, the bears could have had him multiple times. Didn't take him. Didn't, didn't want to take him, which is a Notre Dame quarterback. And the bears didn't take a chance. At him. I don't the same year. We could have traded for Stabler, but exactly. no, let's not do that either. Was it, um, so uh, Montana was before Rick Meyer, right? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rick Meyer shows up in, uh, 1993. But the point is, 79, Montana is drafted to a team that went 2 and 14 or 3 and 13. I think it was 2 and 14. And in his third season, he's the fucking Super Bowl MVP at 25. Mm -hmm. You know, he took a team that went from nothing to a Super Bowl in his third season. Patrick Mahomes comes to a team that was kind of close to winning anyway, mm -hmm. but couldn't get over the hump because Alex Smith is, you know, good, but he's not great. Uh, and Mahomes is way better than Alex Smith. I don't want to take that away from him because I honestly think that he's the reason that they've won, that they won the Super Bowl that they won. Although I, in that game, I don't think he was MVP, but he's the reason they got there mm -hmm. because of his individual greatness. Uh, but he's surrounded by, you know, the heel, the Tyree kill and, and the Kelsey at tight end. And, and even now that little Jared McKinnon, who was in Minnesota all those years is suddenly looking explosive again. He's got great talent around him. Uh, but my argument was uh, with somebody like Montana, you know, his like his running back in 81 was like Ricky Patton and, and Bill Ring. It's like, who? Who are these guys? Ring was a good fullback. Yeah, but that's like who he's got in the Cooper, uh, Earl Cooper. Mm -hmm. Like he didn't have Roger Craig yet. He didn't have Tom Rathman yet. Like he had some kind of some bombs. He didn't have Jerry Rice yet. He didn't have John Taylor yet. And he still won the Super Bowl mm -hmm. with, with fucking Dwight Clark and Freddie Solomon and Mike Wilson. I don't want to demean those guys, but I'm just saying before that other team in like 84 and then the other two, they sort of have some bomb squad like, oh, everybody in this huddle can make the Hall of Fame, you know, but <laughs> that 81 team was just Montana. Like if Montana's hurt, you put Steve DeBerg in there. They're not winning Super Bowl 16, in my opinion. Good uh, comments in the chat room about that era and the 49ers introducing that West Coast offense. And it took defenses a number of years to figure out how to combat that. And that West Coast offense was uh, a lot of it was already in Bill Walsh's mind before the 46 defense uh, became, you know, uh, infamous or famous. And uh, but it really did help. Uh, contained the 46 defense after had three or four years of NFL dominance. That West Coast offense was the way to, to if you're going to send six guys in to pressure the quarterback, get rid of the ball very, very quickly. And that's become the NFL Bible now for running offenses. You get rid of the ball quickly. It's no longer. I'm glad you brought up the 46, though, because hmm? I was thinking about that earlier. How many teams, whether uh, it was the Philadelphia Eagles, the Oilers, a couple of teams tried to take that scheme and make it their own. Maybe the Browns ran it too, it seems like. Yeah. Um, uh, but nobody was successful with it in the copy version, even though Buddy was there. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were good, but they didn't go anywhere in terms of winning a Super Bowl. And I'm afraid we're going to continue trying to take the Mahomes offense that works for one guy. Yeah. That offense doesn't work for a lot of guys. I mean, it, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. This fourth and one in the shotgun, man, it drives me nuts. Oh, my God. It's crazy. I hate it. I hate it. Maybe if 
you know, that, that quarterback in Buffalo, Sean, you know, that's what I'd, I'd like for uh, Fields to be, mm-hmm. is to be like more like Allen in terms of, because not that I want him to run as much, but he can if, if he needs to. And well, Mahomes runs too, but I just feel like a lot of times Mahomes plays undisciplined and he gets lucky. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just throwing the ball around. It's like, you remember how, again, Favre was so good early in his career mm-hmm. in terms of winning. The, but when the team got average around him, then he would, you'd be like, oh, what is that stupid fucking throw he's doing? Oh, my God. He just threw a pick six. He forced an underhanded toss up there. Like, that's going to be Mahomes to me. Mm. He's going to be Brett Favre when he's not surrounded by great players. I, I won't argue with that. I mean, that was that was the, the, the thing about him at Texas Tech. He was reckless with the football. I mean, he... He did t- tremendous things, which is why I fell in love with him. But at the same time, you know, you look at the low lights. He's like, I can't believe he threw that ball. What was he thinking? He was reckless, and we've seen it in his NFL career. And so certainly having a guy like Tyreek Hill uh, who can outrun anybody anywhere at any time, you know, having him catch your pass. Great and, tight end. Great tight end. And probably Kelsey. the number one tight end in the in the NFL, right? Pass catching tight end. So. Yeah, and you've got Andy Reid who, you know, for all of his mistakes in his career, he does know how to call a good game, you know. Every coach has flawed games when they're when they're calling. But, the you course. know, if he had played some of this offense, just a blend of it, mm-hmm. when he was in Philly, I bet McNabb wins a Super Bowl too. I, and, again, I wasn't the biggest McNabb fan, yeah. but his when he was in Philly, he, he would get into the playoff games and get extremely conservative. Mm-hmm. Like was afraid to do anything. So it's like he did the Nagy thing. Let's be you and let's throw the ball 70 times a game. And that did work for Mahomes. But if he did like a half of that for McNabb, maybe that would have put Philly over because McNabb was in, you know, stuck in the, in being afraid to try to win. You know, just, you're afraid to lose and you're not being aggressive. And it wasn't Donovan's fault. It's Andy's fault when he was in Philly. Mm. Yep. Good segue to the next topic I want to address with you uh, before we uh, close this episode is there was a collective climax on Saturday night uh, Uh, when Aaron Rodgers failed yet again. Which I predicted. Which you predicted, and you have rightly pointed out to me his – because I've – I'm a big Aaron Rodgers admirer. The guy has been great, but now it is time to start questioning, you know, really how great is this guy? Yeah. Two points real quick, <laughs> please. 2011. They're coming off a super bowl, right? They won the super bowl 45. We should have been there. I'm still better, mm-hmm. but they win super bowl 45 next year. They come out on fire. They're 15 and one, 15 and one. Obviously they're the number one seed. What happens? Eli Manning comes in there and beats his ass again. They lose their first playoff game. That's what he does. He does. If it wasn't for Cutler's knee in 2010 and Caleb Haney getting picked off by a 450-pound lineman, the Bears come back, they win that game, and then he's the, the greatest quarterback who's never done shit. That's who he is. He's a serial underachiever, this guy. And did you see his quote today? Oh, everybody's rooting against me because of the vaccine. God, he's always the victim. 
Yeah, he has been playing that victim role. Uh, He's always the victim. Oof, the last two years, I mean, and and it's happened well before that, but the last two years in particular, Aaron Rodgers' reputation has gotten really hit. And it's not just his words now. It's his play. It's his play. I got a couple of clips here. I actually have three. I'm not going to run them all. Uh, but run them all. Let's just fucking kick this guy while he's down. <laughs> he owns us, right? Fuck you. <laughs> I love it when you say that. I got that as a drop somewhere. Where is it? Oh, there it is. <laughs> Fuck you. You, Aaron Rodgers. That's right. Exactly. I yeah, because he still can say he owns Austin. All right, fine. Yeah, exactly. Fine. fine. You're <laughs> the one who comes too fast on, on national TV and every player. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This is Colin Coward on Aaron Rodgers. Let me talk about Aaron Rodgers. We now have enough evidence. He's not gay. He's not great in playoff games. Hell, he's five and four at Lambeau, and he's been a favorite, I think, in all nine. He's not as daring in crisis as players like Burrow and Mahomes and Stafford are. And Allen, he's not as daring. He starts playing safe. And I believe it all comes down to relationships. This has always been my theory on Aaron, who has fought with his own family. Guys like Brady are all about relationships. They make stuff work. Tom gets along with everybody. I know a dozen people who Tom still today, football coaches, assistants, players, is still in touch with. He's a relationship guy. And what happens? Relationships are about trusting and elevating others and giving of yourself. Tom's optimistic. He'll make it work. Aaron is cynical by nature, not trusting. I mean, good God. After Mercedes Lewis fumbled, Aaron changed. Oh, I'm a victim again. Teammates aren't there for me. The next two drives, three and out, three and out, played it safe, no yards. Niners defense is good. It ain't that good. Aaron has privately criticized uh, uh, the Packers' inability privately, like they can't build a defense. Brady's got a defense. Look at these guys got a defense. If you just give me a great defense. That defense Saturday night for Green Bay was fantastic, and they were really good all year. Don't blame the defense. They got an interior lineman that's great, linebackers, safeties, corners. It's an excellent defense by Green Bay. You're at home. Be daring. Joe Burrow's getting a you-know-what kicked out of him for three and a half hours. Doesn't care. Downfield. Stafford's team is melting around him. Doesn't care. Downfield. All these quarterbacks. Down the field. Stop playing safe. Protecting a legacy. Because they have relationships. Aaron doesn't have any. And the minute things go sideways, I've said for years, he is a bailer, not a baller. The last guy you want in a foxhole. Mercedes Lewis fumbled. Aaron changed. Three and outs. Not throwing downfield. 21 of his 29 completions were to two people, Devontae Adams and a running back. Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams are his two targets. Dude, you've had all these wide receivers around you for four years. You don't have another trusting relationship? There's video evidence multiple times, especially that throw down the field to Devontae. He had other people open. But in order to throw those balls, you have to trust people, not be cynical. Put your arms around people. Tom Brady got Julian Edelman, and everybody else had Julio Jones and Larry Fitzgerald and, uh, and Marvin Harrison, and Belichick gives Brady Julian Edelman, a quarterback at a Kent State. And Tom, it didn't work for two years. And Tom just kept grinding and grinding, glass half full. I'm going to make Edelman work. 
And four years later, you looked up and went, damn, he's like a stronger Wes Welker. Do you know the time and the trust you had to put into that relationship? Tom Brady could have been cynical. Matt Ryan's got Julio Jones. I got a college quarterback in the sixth round out of Kent State. But that's the difference. You can't do it alone. You can't always be cynical. You can't be a bailer. We have evidence now. You can go look up the stats. If Aaron trails in the fourth quarter against a winning team, even at home, game over. That's not what he does. Stafford had the world collapsing. Mahomes was tra- – can you imagine being on the sideline with Mahomes? And Josh Allen brings that thing down the field and scores, and you look up at that clock, and Mahomes is like, challenge, box, check, let's go. Stop blaming special teams. Stop blaming other people. Be better at creating relationships because this sport is all about trust. You got to trust your left tackle if you're a quarterback and your center. You got to trust your defense. You got to trust your coaches. You got to trust your coordinators. And you got to trust somebody beyond Devontae Adams. Yes, he's great. Can't do it with one receiver. The Rams have four guys now. Stafford gets OBJ, and an hour later, they have a relationship. An hour later. I mean, I mean, A.B., Brady's made Moss work when everybody said he couldn't work. He made A.B. work. He made Edelman work. In an hour, he made Mike Evans work and Chris Godwin work and Scotty Miller work and Tyler Johnson work. That's what happens when you're into relationships and building them and enhancing things. After the game, Aaron Rodgers, I don't even want the quote, but he went out and said, hey, I'm not going to stay here if there's a rebuild. Oh, my God. I'm above a rebuild. First of all, Green Bay's not rebuilding. They're going to have to move some pieces to make it work, and they should bring Aaron back. Can you stop with the I am above a rebuild? Not really. Not at this point, because you're not as good as Mahomes, and you're not as good as Josh Allen, and I don't think you're as uh, coachable as Justin Herbert, and you don't have the resumes of uh, uh, Tom Brady. You may want to stick around for that rebuild. And it's not really a rebuild. But again, it was the classic, I'm above it. I am above a rebuild. Not really, bro. You're five and four at Lambeau, a favorite, I think, in eight of nine or nine and nine games. Let me. What do you think about what he just said? Because I think he nailed it out of the park there. I'm basically playing with my penis. <laughs> this is, I mean, I don't, I never, I don't look up stats when we're on. Maybe I, I could or should. Maybe I'm too busy or too lazy, whatever. But the things he's citing are without the statistical breakdowns are the things I've been saying to you. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> that like, dude, this guy gets into playoffs regardless of what the reason is. He Now, I know the one in Seattle is, that you bring up wasn't his fault. Right. <laughs> when they had the big lead with two minutes to go, right. that was a lot of luck that went Seattle's way. Uh, and then, of course, that luck went against them in the Super Bowl (laughs) when they lost to New England. But all these other losses, it's on him. Yeah, You're right. You're right. I I hate to say it because I really do believe that uh, aesthetically, he's one of the the most fun quarterbacks to watch. Mr. October. Yeah, but you and Colin were right. And when Colin talks about the fact that he has leadership issues, you know, he didn't put it that way, but he has relationship issues. And the family been, thing, that, that's what I've been saying. The people that, like, can turn their back on their own mom? Yeah, that's not right. Like, yeah, who is that? I, I know that you point out there's more context to that, and that's that's a rightful point, you know, to say maybe they were forcing their their views on him or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, obviously, he's a, a right winger. You would think that, you know, religion wouldn't be something he's so appalled by, but... Uh, anyway, 
I just feel like most of his teammates, when it comes out, when the story's over, he's addicted to his teammates. They don't like him, mm-hmm. you know, with the exception of someone like Adams. So I'm sure it would, would want to sign wherever he goes, mm-hmm. but I thought he was dead on with that. You know, he does, you know, he always blames like the, the, the narrative this time has been, like he said, Oh, the special teams cost us tonight. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what they've leaked out. Yeah. Well, he said it in the post-game conference. He, he was asked about the special teams. Yeah, he didn't play well. And he says, you know, it's on me, but, you know, special teams too and stuff. So it's, you know, what he should have said was, listen, this is all on me. I had a terrible game. And Matt LaFleur did it as the head coach. He said, I should have done a better job. This this defeat is on me. I didn't I didn't call the right plays. I didn't get the guys in position to, to succeed. He never blamed the special teams. He was asked about he was asked this exact question. Did Aaron Rodgers do enough to win this game? And without hesitating, Matt LaFleur lied and said yes. <laughs> Don't you think Matt LaFleur that's exactly where I was going with it. Whenever this is over, and maybe I don't give LaFleur enough credit, but whenever this is over with Rodgers, whether that's in June, he's going to tell Pat McAfee first, yeah, whatever. In Indianapolis, which leads to speculation he's going to go to the Colts, but please go ahead. Whenever it ends, whether it's 2022 or 2023, four, whatever, don't you think it's going to be like a, a private moment with Matt LaFleur and if he's married, whomever his partner is, He's going to just be like, you know, I'm so glad I don't have to deal with this fucker anymore. No one's going to ask him questions about Jordan Love being more important than the team, the way he constantly has to cover for Rodgers. And, you know, like he's saying what he has to say because, you know, he's the king there. So you have to think, Matt, don't you think LaFleur, it'll be a relief to him to just be like to be rid of this guy and not have to constantly cover for him? I think that that is not now become the overwhelming sentiment throughout Wisconsin. All of Packers fans are have given up on Aaron Rodgers. We've had it with you. Aaron Nagler, who is uh, a big part of that Cheesehead TV website, big Packers site, and he's achieved uh, uh, great notoriety as being a pro uh, Green Bay reporter type. And he's he had his podcast. It was it's time to call it quits. Let's pull the plug on the Aaron Rodgers era and let's move on because this is clearly not working. When you have had so many opportunities to win Super Bowls with Aaron Rodgers, and now it's to the point that it's become a big distraction during the offseason, too. It's time to start over. So he's that, a coach killer, man. Yeah. Although I, uh, there's a, for people who love watching film, Kurt Warner did a little sloppy, but a a good job of breaking down the film on the entire Packers offense. And he clearly showed that Aaron Rodgers missed opportunity after opportunity in that, uh, uh, Colin Coward clip. He talked about an open receiver that last pass to, uh, Adams that he threw into double coverage, he had Alan Lazard, the wide receiver that he has not established a relationship with, wide fucking open, wide open in the middle of the field. But he chose to force it to his safety net, uh, Devontae Adams. If he would have done the right thing, he would have hit Lazard and they would have been in field goal position and they would have come away with the win and not the 49ers. You want to hear any of the other two that I have? I've got Marcus Spears on Aaron Rodgers, a two-minute clip where he's saying it's time to move on. And Ryan- Yes, I do. Uh, but let me say one more thing. Please do. 
imagine if this were Jay Cutler. I get it. Jay didn't win the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. But imagine if this were a game that he forced a pass into Brandon Marshall. (laughs) And, you know, Martellus or whomever else was open, or Johnny Knox was open. I guess Knox was gone before Marshall got here. Who else we would have had? Alshon. Yep. Uh, okay. Martellus. Uh, uh, Earl Bennett. Earl Bennett was open, and oh, he forced yeah. it. Yeah. He forced it down the field to be Marsh anyway. Everyone would be on his ass. Mm-hmm. Everyone would say he was stupid, or he was arrogant, or he's he doesn't smile enough, or uh, you know they would just be on his ass. And Rodgers normally gets a pass. So having said that. Please, let's pile on. <laughs> I love it. All right, this is Marcus Fears on NFL Live talking about Aaron. Bree Bay needs to cut ties. Ooh, wow. They need, to, okay. they, need to, they need to stop being held hostage and there. start the next measure hmm. of their franchise and the direction in which they want to go. I have not seen so much fuss to get so much nothing for a number of years. It's been a lot of fuss and a lot of nothing in Green Bay. What's the difference between Green Bay and the Baltimore Ravens? The Ravens win a lot of regular season games. They go to the playoffs. They a team that's constantly fighting to try to get a Super Bowl bid. And they don't have the guy that we consider one of the top five to ever play the quarterback position. Cut ties, move forward, man. That's all I'm going to say. That was Marcus Spears. By the way, 4,000 Clover says, Dan, we wouldn't need to imagine that. Cutler did exactly what you're talking about in reality. <laughs> well, chances are that's true. But I'm just saying the, the, the reason I bring that up was to say that he would get criticism from everybody. Uh-huh. And Rodgers for years has been like in one of those. He's been immune. Wh- What's that chamber when you get hurt you go into to try to help heal yourself? Oh, the uh, uh, hyperbaric chamber? Yeah, he's been in one of those hyperbaric <laughs> chambers when it comes to criticism. So he's been able to avoid it all these years. He's kind of had his balls powdered for him. Yeah. One of uh, the folks in the chat room says, who would you rather have? That he's, he's stating there aren't many quarterbacks you would rather have than Aaron Rodgers in that final drive. He failed this time, but – there aren't a lot of quarterbacks out there who can deliver results. And there's truth to that, but the bigger picture is he's not winning Super Bowls, and he's a big pain in the fucking ass. And so I love He thinks he's better than everybody. That's the thing. If you could have Aaron Rodgers with all those personality defects, if you could have Aaron Rodgers right now for the next three seasons and bubble wrap – Justin Fields into one of those hyperbaric chambers and put him away for three years. And now you got Aaron Rodgers for the next two or three years with the bears. Would you, would you do it? No, I'll tell you why. Why? It would be like compromising your principle. Like let's say you were running for office, whether it was just mayor of Arlington Heights or something. I'm not trying to say you're running for president, you know, that's a big deal, but just a local thing. Sure. But your advisor saying, well, Aldo, you can do it if you if you play dirty, you constantly go negative, and you, you have to do all these things that you don't normally want to do, but it's just politics. Yeah, but I do you, but you're time. compromising who you are to get the win. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're doing everything that your your soul and your 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 fiber of your heart tells you not to do. And that's I don't want to win that way. Yeah. And maybe that's my own fault. That's why I'll never win. But I didn't want Brett Favre here either. Mm-hmm. I don't want to win with them. I if that means I never win, I guess I have to live with it. No, I I think I think you 
I agree with you. I, there are certain things. I used to coach a fantasy football team, excuse me, a flag football team. And the first year that I coached them, we won the championship. The second year, the league became popular and a bunch of new teams came in. And one team was like stacked. You know, we're a bunch of, my team is comprised of a bunch of Puerto Ricans, all of them about five, eight, you know, <laughs> little guys you can run. But this new team came in with guys who were six, two, and they can run. Holy shit, we're going to get our asses kicked by these guys. But you know what? We took them all the way to the championship game and we lost in the last play. So I was fucking ecstatic with the result, bummed that we lost, but also ecstatic with the season long results that our little team could compete against such a great team. Imagine well, if in that same scenario, they said, Mr. Gandia, we would like for you, since you won that title last year, to come over here and coach all these guys that are 6'2 or could run. Mm hmm. Again, it makes it more it makes it more important or more something that you want it the way you, you know with the other guys. Yeah, you're you're right. And so versus selling out, like that's why that's what the Jordan people always point out to LeBron. Mm -hmm. Yes, you know, hey, exactly. you go and recruit all these all stars and right. shit. You know, I mean, Jordan did that only with with Rodman. Not that that was his call, mm -hmm. but I mean, they grew like Pippen. You could say Pippen, but they came up together basically. Mm -hmm. So it was, he was on their team. So, but that that's the point. LeBron won his titles, but he did it on teams that were stacked. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, you team. know, you'd rather be Jordan on the team that went through the losing and, and all that. And you stayed together. Right. He fought. And then you come out on the other side. Yes. He fought for, uh, I mean, he, that guy was so loyal that he wore his North Carolina shorts under his Bulls shorts. I mean, that's the loyalty that Michael had. And so, you know, for all the criticism he's gotten over the years for his kind of belligerent approach towards uh, winning games, you gotta you gotta also praise the fact that he was such a loyal person to the Chicago Bulls. All right, and he wasn't gonna whine and bitch that his team wasn't. You know, maybe he took too many shots in the earlier days, and maybe he didn't trust making a pass. But he wasn't gonna just blame the, you know, oh well, like Aaron Rodgers, it's two different sports. But he's not gonna try to call out someone on the team and say, this is the reason we're not winning. It's Craig Hodges' fault mm -hmm. that we can't win a championship. I don't remember him ever doing that. No. Never. And like, that's what I'm saying. You don't want to compromise your values. Like, do you want to sell it? Like, this is such a cliche, but you sell your soul to the devil to get your Super Bowl. That's that's what you do with Aaron Rodgers. Okay, you're, you're bringing in Aaron Rodgers. You're selling out for him. Sir Maeve in the chat room uh, isn't buying it. He says, stop lying. Most Bears fans will take Rodgers for three seasons. I'm not lying. I'm half. not lying. That's just his opinion, Sir Maeve. Not, he's not lying. Uh, and, okay, I want to play this last one. I haven't heard this one, to be honest with you. It's Ryan Clark over at ESPN on the Get Up show talking about the Aaron Rodgers failure. We can't the whole season make the Green Bay Packers the favorite. Say how great they are on offense. Talk about Aaron Rodgers being the MVP and then get to this moment and blame it on the team. I'm not letting it happen. I still think looking face-to-face -face with any man on the football field, he's the best quarterback I've ever played. But last night I started to think about this. Where's Aaron Rodgers' playoff moment that we all remember? Where's Aaron Rodgers' Patrick Mahomes games from last night? Where's Aaron Rodgers' comeback from Patrick Mahomes? Homes in the year that they won the Super Bowl. Where's the Eli Manning pass to Manningham? Where's the to Dave Tyree? Where's the Where's the Tom Brady uh, putting the football in position for Adam Vinatieri to kick the kick to beat the greatest show on turf? Where's that moment? 
Where are we talking about a playoff moment where the Green Bay Packers weren't better than the other team? Where Clay Matthews didn't make Rashard Mendenhall fumble? Where Nick Collins didn't get a pick six because because uh, Marquise Pouncey couldn't play and you had a backup at center and you were able to get pressure from B.J. Raji? Where is Aaron Rodgers' moment? Is he an Hall, Hall of Fame guy? Yes. First ballot. Is he an all-time great? Yes. He is one of the best to ever do it. But tell me when, in the playoffs, Aaron Rodgers has elevated the Green Bay Packers. All we talked about for years is the fact that the Green Bay Packers needed to elevate Aaron Rodgers. I get it. Maybe they could have made another pick. Maybe they could have did some other things. They won 13 games the last three seasons in the regular seasons, and they didn't make plays in the playoffs. They scored 10 points. We crushed Dak Prescott last week because he didn't put enough points on the board. Aaron Rodgers is supposed to be the baddest man in the world, and they scored 10 points at home in an ice fortress that nobody wants to play in. <laughs> yeah. At some point, we got to look at Aaron Rodgers. Wow. What an yeah, indictment. no one brings up that 15-1 year that the, he shut down. He shut the bed in either. Like mm-hmm. I said in 2011, 15-1, home field advantage, lost one game all year, and they lose their first pl- postseason game. But yeah. Ryan Clark's dead on the postseason moment, the tangible moment where you say this is the one you put if you're putting a, a highlight reel together and you say this is his play, mm-hmm. like the Eli references, whether it's to, you know, uh, Manningham in 46 or the game, the Tyreek, uh, what was his name? Uh, the guy in uh, 42 that made the the helmet, the helmet catch. Oh, uh, uh, Willie Mays. <laughs> not Willie Mays, but uh, – <laughs> But you you get the point. Like, there's a moment. Yes, for sure. There's a moment you can point to those guys and say, like, I don't even remember a play from Super Bowl 45. Mm -hmm. I just know that I was pissed off that we weren't there and that Pittsburgh had a shot to come back and win it and Big Ben didn't. Mm -hmm. That's all I remember about it. And it was in Dallas or Arlington. Yeah. That's all I remember from the game. I have no idea who scored or anything. I, I've never watched it back. I'm never going to. Yeah, it, it, you're making great points. Yeah, that is one of the most uh, unmemorable uh, Super Bowl games, and it's with the Packers. And you would expect that as Bears fans, we would have watched it with great envy, and we would have recalled every misplay, every whatever. But yeah, there, there. That game to me is is a big void, a black hole in my existence. Uh, yeah, so. and I, we should have been there. Mm-hmm. We should have been there. It was our fucking game. We didn't, so I'm a bitter bastard. But like I said, I don't remember anything about it other than Roethlisberger got the ball back with a chance to win it and came up short. Mm-hmm. That is all I can recall for it. So, I And his playoff touchdown passes, like he was referencing, mm-hmm. like the Josh Allen, Mahomes, ping pong game that we saw. Like, I don't remember any moments like that. It was Ryan Clark was, was just so dead on. Like, I remember the Seattle game. Again, he should have had that one. I remember Atlanta uh, blowing them out. Mm-hmm. San Francisco running for, you know, just pounding the rock, not even trying to pass mm-hmm. and, and beat his guts a couple of years ago just with the guy that they got from the Bears, like practice squad that running back and he was just pounding the ball, you know, usually when they lose, it's just, it's not always like the defense's fault, but like he said, he's not elevating anybody around him. That is so true. So true. And you'll, we'll never forget, you know, what a lot of former players have had negative things to say about Aaron Rodgers. So I think that when, um, when his career is over, there's going to be some really fascinating books written about some of the stuff that has happened privately that hasn't been revealed yet and how he treated people, his teammates, uh, front office, and maybe more details about his family. Not that that's any of our business, 
but it is kind of a clue into the man where he can't get along with his mother and father and brother uh, to the point where you at least once a year give a call and say Merry Christmas. I mean, that's some nasty stuff right there. So um, anything else you want to cover in these last uh, 10 minutes that I have you? Uh, I was something I was because, and again, it's part of my um, not wanting Mahomes to go get another Super Bowl. I admit that. So I re- I don't like Cincinnati, mm-hmm. I, but I'm rooting for them heavily on Sunday. So I mentioned this to you in text. Can you recall throughout your life? Because usually I am going for the team throughout my life, whether you want to call it the underdog or not. Right. I told you about if there's a good player or player that's been elevated. I always thought Troy Aikman was a guy that was a, and Steve Young both would just happen to be on great teams. Right. Like, I don't think Troy Aikman on the, you know, the 90, let me think who would have been really shitty in 93, whoever it is. Like, I don't think he's going to make that team a lot better. Mm-hmm. And when Dallas didn't have Pro Bowl offensive linemen at every position, suddenly they couldn't win. You know, yeah. so my point is I always root against players like Troy Aikman or Steve Young or or Peyton Manning. So for over the years, I'm typically rooting for an underdog team. So there have been a few games, most of them not, where I wanted just passionately wanted somebody to lose. And usually I'm I'm upset because the, the, the rich get richer and they keep winning. <laughs> Can you think of any games over the years in the playoffs where you just desperately and, and this is non-Bears talk or it could be sure, Bears talk. Sure. Just a team that you like, man, I don't want this fucking team to win. And that it finally it happened. Like what you wanted happened. Yeah, I don't recall that. I, I really, really well. But oh, I can give you like be. 10 right now. There has to be. Go ahead. Uh, oh, first off, the 97 Denver Broncos. Okay. I wanted them, wanted them to beat Green Bay. Like, like I had never wanted anyone else to win again <laughs> in Super Bowl 32. And they were considered the underdogs. That's right. They were. By like almost 10 points or mm-hmm. something. So, yeah. But uh, this 94 San Diego Chargers went into Pittsburgh or Three Rivers, massive underdogs. Mm-hmm. And Alfred Propunu, the tight end who did this fake coconut thing with the ball when he would score, <laughs> yes. like he was drinking a coconut, yes. had a big touchdown from Stan Humphreys uh-huh. to win that game. And uh, uh, 95, I wanted Harbaugh to win so badly with the Colts yes. in Pittsburgh, but they lost. But, oh, here's one. I wanted the 98 Vikings, 15-1. and one. NFC title game. I was like, you know, oh, come on, Falcons, please. Yes. Please. That's a good Please one. knock this out. Yes. So, yeah. And then guess what happened? Morton Anderson hadn't missed a field goal. Or, I'm sorry. Greg Anderson hadn't missed a field goal all, all season. season. Yes. And he missed in the title game. And then Morton didn't mess with the Falcons. And guess who's going to Miami? Not Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of games like that where I wanted the team, the underdog team to win. Uh, or, you know, just passionately not wanting this team to win. Like, I wanted an upset. How about when John Fox was in Denver, they had just gotten Peyton Manning, and Joe Flacco in double overtime beats the Broncos in the divisional playoff game. I loved it. You know who was his offensive coordinator? Was it Jim Caldwell? Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was 10 years ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> if Jim Caldwell was 57 right now, we'd have a different approach on it. How, uh, on a scale from 1 to 10, with 10 being excited, which we know you're not going to get anywhere near there, and 1 being like so fucking bummed out, you're thinking about, you know, m- maybe not talking for 24 hours. <laughs> uh, what, where would you be if Caldwell was announced as the next head coach? 
Oh man. Um, probably a two or three that low, huh? Yeah. I mean, I would, he would have to become my guy within like a week. Even I tried to rally around Nagy as much as I could, but by the end, I just, I couldn't take him anymore. He was gone. Mm -hmm. Had to be gone because I, he was killing my fandom. Yeah. I would feel the same exact way uh, that I felt when John Fox was hired. I I would think, man, what an uninspiring, uninspired uh, selection here. You know, I was actually, I hate to admit this because I know people are going to throw rocks at me, but I was actually a little bit excited about the uh, Trestman hire. It it was not like he was my first choice, but I thought, wow, this is pretty cool out of the box thinking. And the fact that this guy was with the San Francisco 49ers organization for so many years and ran that West coast uh, offense for so many years and took it to the CFL and and transformed it there successfully. I thought maybe maybe this could work. Yeah, he paid his dues. Yeah, but then you know you heard the guy talk and it was like, holy shit, this ain't gonna work. <laughs> See, I, I had hopes for Trustman too. I I just think, as I've said, if he'd have had an offensive coordinator that was, um, or even a defensive coordinator, somebody that was just more vocal mm-hmm. and and had more charismatic. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't have Mel Tucker there, but somebody like, I don't know, Lovey wasn't a big talker either, but somebody had some personality to sort of mitigate the fact that he kind of didn't have any. Right. Maybe that would have helped him some. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't hate the hire e- either. Yeah. I didn't hate the Fox hire. I admit that because at the time I thought, oh man, trust me, it went so bad so quickly. Because remember 13, they barely missed the playoffs, the Randall Cobb play. And you think, okay, this team will get better next season. And early on in the year, they're like three and two. And just the fucking wheels fall off, man. And then they can't win a game. And, uh, you know, so when Tressman left, it was in disgrace. So I thought maybe having a guy that's been there like Fox is a good hire. That's what I thought at the time was like, just to get away from this experiment that didn't work. Mm-hmm. We'll, ha- we'll try a proven winner because whether we like him or not, he, he did go to the Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator with the Giants. He did lead Carolina and Denver both to a Super Bowl. Of course, all three of those games were losses, but okay. Uh, still, he had done it. Mm-hmm. So maybe I thought at the time that's something we needed was like a guy that's driven the car before. Yeah. Sir Mav has a good question here. He says, man, I'm thinking about Quinn and Poles, how that might work. And he wants our thoughts. I'll offer this. There's just one part of the equation missing there. Who is going to develop Justin Fields. That is the big thing. In polls, you're acquiring a general manager who is said to have a great appreciation for the offensive line and building that and credit the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl because of injury and and and, and player decline. Their offensive line was awful and Patrick Mahomes looked ordinary in that Super Bowl game. Now, in the offseason, they said we're going to rebuild the offensive line, and they did so very, very successfully. I mean, that offensive line is now among the best in the NFL. So he did that in a one-year turnaround. Can can Poles do that for the Chicago oh, Bears? Be that would great. be awesome, right? And then, you know, with Quinn, you're going to get a fucking defensive mastermind, and he runs a 4-3. So you're going to get Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn with their hands to the dirt, and you're going to have that fucking ferocious Bears defense again. But you gotta add that third name, the offensive coordinator, or you know, or the quarterback coach at least, that is just going to turn Justin Fields and, and not into Pat a great, Hamilton. No. <laughs> well, you know what? Greg Gabriel 
loves Pep Hamilton, really wants him. Well, Jay Cutler hated him. Yeah, no. What was that all about? What, do you Cutler's like, who is this guy? He's like 14 trying to tell me how to play quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of the funniest thing ever. He Cutler got along with Dow Loggins. And when I went out to camp and I we had passes to the sidelines at Bourbon A, and up close I'm watching – Dow Loggins, and he was literally like 4'10". <laughs> and, and he's looking off to Jay Cutler, and he's giving Jay Cutler instruction. I was like, yeah, this doesn't seem right. I hate to, Tonight I have sounded ageist, and now I'm sounding like, like I'm against short people. I don't really mean that, but it was just the visual sight of Dow Loggins giving Jay Cutler advice. Didn't seem right, and guess what? It didn't work. <laughs> he was There's terrible. a guy in Green Bay, and I don't know his name, uh -huh. and he's been there forever. Remember, like, the Shane McClellan game when we broke his collarbone? Uh-huh. Yeah. There's a little guy that has a beard that is, like, Rogers' handler. If he's hurt or if Rogers needs some water, there's a little guy that always comes – and their coach is a little guy. They're little, he looks like an extra from the Wizard of Oz. But I'm talking about there is a little guy. I don't know if he's the offensive, like, quarterback coach an assistant, their coordinator, but he's been there since 12, 13, 11. Yeah. He's a fucking dwarf. I'm telling <laughs> you, this guy's 5'1", five, 5'2", five, max. Yeah. That comes out. You go back and watch any – he was there the other day. I saw him again. Huh. The little midget guy was oh, – I shouldn't say midget, but the, <laughs> they, they had a little guy. That guy is still there. I have no idea who he is. He's never acknowledged. You think maybe he's like a trainer or something? Because those are the guys that usually stay decades, you know, they – because all they do is clean up after people. and so Maybe he, can... he is the trainer, but he he's the one that brings Rodgers' water or a towel. Yeah, it's got to be like a trainer. Or maybe, uh, he's a maybe... little, little fucking guy, though. He's no, he's no taller than 5'3". Okay. Well, I, I know certain people will consider that really tall, but I'm not going <laughs> to Well, <laughs> I don't mean to denigrate anybody. Yeah, I'm just okay. saying everyone can't be tall, uh, you know. Uh <sighs> I, I feel like I'm just putting my foot in my mouth. No, 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 no. All good. Um, it is time for you to go, or can you stay a few more minutes? I do need to go, but thankfully the road isn't horrible tonight, so I can try to s steal five more minutes or so. Excellent. I, what I want your opinion on now is all of these coaching candidates, but we're now down to three as the so-called finalists, although I truly believe they're going to add to that finalist list. But of the three finalists now is Matt Eberflus, the, the Colts defensive coordinator, Jimmy Caldwell. We know your feelings about him. And then who's the third guy? Uh, oh, Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. I mean, if you had to pick one of those three, it's pretty obvious who, right? Yeah, it'll be Mr. 28-3, to but... <laughs> I think at least he's motivated to try to win to get that off his resume. I totally agree. Jim Caldwell is going to be taking a nap. I totally agree. Sleepy Jim. I think Dan Quinn is one of those guys who can be a Super Bowl coach as long as he's got the talent around him. Now, what I mean by that is there have been head coaches who have had Super Bowl quality talent but have not been able to take them to the promised land. And there have been head coaches who have had – hardly playoff talented team who have been able to get their team to the, to the Super Bowl. Dan Quinn strikes me as a guy who is a very, very good coach, but he needs that super talent in order to win Super Bowls. He was close to having it. I, I wouldn't say, would you blame that Super Bowl defeat on Dan Quinn? You have to, because he's the head coach. Yeah. 
Uh, but it's it's just one of those deals, man. There's been a couple of games like that in my lifetime. The Buffalo game against the Oilers with Frank Reich. Mm-hmm. And oh God, that what a great game. Kansas City had a game just like that with Alex Smith that they lost to the Colts with Andrew Luck down 35 in the second half. And you just feel it. You know watching it. It's in the third quarter. It's 35 to 10 now. Mm-hmm. But you know momentum has flipped. Even if you're not, if you're six thousand miles from the game, not literally, but you get the idea. You're like you're not even in the stadium, but you know tangibly it's flipped. And what can you do about it? Mm-hmm. And that was one of those games where he was like, "Man, New England's going to come back and win," even though they were down twenty-eight to three. It just felt like, and they they're not going to stop Brady on this one. As soon as they got some points, and it felt that way against Tampa or against the Rams Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It felt like, oh, fuck, man, bad snaps over Stafford's head and yeah. a fumble and like, oh, man, Brady's going to do it again. I, I thought and so Stafford too. pulled out his dick and put it in his detractor's mouth. <laughs> Boom, with that big pass downfield. So I don't know if we can blame Quinn by himself. Matt Ryan deserves some, some like there was a pl- their last play of that game, if I recall, they had a shot. He, I think he completed it to Julio, but it was short of the sticks and they punted. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh man, you gave them the ball back, you yeah. know? So some of that's on Matt Ryan. Some of it's on Dan Quinn. I can't be for sure. Like it's just, it, it's it maybe some of that's on Kyle Shanahan. Wasn't he the coordinator? Yes, he was. He was. Yeah. And then he had a lead against uh Casey, a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter two years ago and lost. That's right. Kyle is a great offensive mind, but I think, you know, there are times, Again, it's so fucking difficult to call plays and, and to do it consistently well. Kyle has had some brain farts, no doubt about it. A lot of people in the chat room are talking about bringing Vic Fangio back as either a head coach or a defensive coordinator. Your thoughts? Dan Quinn's not going to want to bring in a guy that can, you know, have the same dick size as him. Yeah. So uh, Fox he, and he, Fangio fought a lot. So imagine. Yeah. Quinn, so yeah. if you're going to be the head coach and you're a defensive, you don't want you don't want Vic. I'm not saying I don't want Vic. I'm just saying, but if you hire Dan Quinn, you can't have Fangio come back. You know, Vic had had stayed. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. But the fact he's been a head coach now, he's going to be like, man, like, fuck you. He's going to try to be buddy to Ditka. You know, this is my defense and that's not going to fly. Right. And he's got money coming. So he, unless he gets a a super head coaching offer, I don't think Vic Fangio is going to be involved in the league this year. What about Sean Payton? We know now uh, I was announced. If if Ryan Pace were here, that'd probably be what would happen. You think so? Pace and and Payton were tight, right? Yeah, they were. But the the issue is, is that he's under contract for three more years. And Uh, so you would have, you would have to send the saints draft picks in order to free him up. Now there is a report that Payton has said that he doesn't want to come to Chicago. I just saw the headline and you see the details on that. But I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised because I don't think Sean Payton is interested in a rebuild, which is why he's leaving the Saints. They're seventy so he's million. He's like Aaron Rodgers, then. Yeah, really. They're seventy million dollars over the cap. They don't have a really a, a good starting quarterback, and so he's he's probably thinking, you know, if when and if I come back, it's going to be with a team that's stacked and has a good quarterback, and they just need me to get them over the hump. So uh, Payton is a pipe dream. Um, Maybe Flores is in there too. Yeah, Flores. Uh, but there was one other name that I wanted to pitch to you. Now it just left my mind. Um, I saw they were going to talk to Dennis Allen tomorrow, but they've canceled that. The Saints were or the, or the Bears were? 
The Bears were. Really? I didn't see that. Dennis Allen, yeah. huh? Yeah, the Saints coordinator was defensive coordinator, according to NBC Sports. I saw that before we went on air. Mm -hmm. He had an interview scheduled tomorrow, and they've canceled it. But they said it worked conveniently because he's a candidate for the head coaching job of the Saints now. Mm, interesting. But I, I got Gary go. But let me ask you this sure. as I leave, because you're a guy that over the years has taken a lot of shots at Mike McCarthy. Now, knowing what's happened again with Aaron Rodgers, are you ready to give McCarthy credit to say, well, maybe Mike McCarthy is the reason they won the Super Bowl? No, I, I well, maybe I, I would say that I'd have to, I'd have to maybe look back at that season a little closer, but I do think that as the years went on, Mike McCarthy's effectiveness as a head coach waned because he wouldn't change. And so defensive coordinators are always adjusting to what you, you're throwing out there. And so you've got to, adapt and change and he never did that and he was a terrible clock management guy is terrible at challenging plays and so forth McCarthy really at, at at a certain point the Packers were ready to win Super Bowls for multiple years and I think McCarthy was part of the problem but you guys you first and foremost you Dan and other commentators have convinced me that uh, Aaron Rodgers has been part of the problem and not the solution Unfortunately, I have to go. My last statement on that, and hopefully we'll be at a normal starting time next week. Hopefully, I, hope so too. I don't know what the basketball games I have to produce, so I don't know if I'll be. I don't know if it's next Tuesday or not. Okay. I guess we're going to be talking about a, a potential two shows a week. We got a lot still to talk about in the mm -hmm. pipeline. Um, but as I go, uh, I see that Sammy didn't make it again. Yeah, Bonds oh, didn't make it again, and Clemens didn't make it again. These guys, whether you like them or not, Barry Bonds won an MVP as a little skinny guy yep. before anyone ever insinuated that he took steroids. He was one of the greatest players of his era before he may or may not have taken anything to help. Same thing with Roger Clemens. Maybe not Sammy to be one of the best, but I think so. But I, I think Barry and Clemens are up there as probably – in the top three at their positions mm -hmm. in their entire generation. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I mean, it, it's, it's bullshit. I think they all three deserve to be in. I think Pete Rose should be in, but baseball has this, like the snobby, like I do declare, <sighs> yes. you know, like, <laughs> like they think that they are like the, they're the moral police or yeah. something, man. And, like, and, and a lot of it is former players too that feel that way. Guys who have been elected to Hall of Fame and now want to make it so fucking private. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like it's a fucking country club, like where they had Caddyshack at. What was that called? Bushnell? <laughs> yeah, Bushwood? Bushwood? It's like Bushwood, <laughs> and we're Rodney Dangerfield trying to come in and we're pissing everybody hey, off with hey, their language. Yeah. That's a good point. I'm All making right. Buffon mad. <laughs> like Dangerfield made Ted Knight, man. Oh, great movie. <laughs> All right, get out well, of here. Go save some lives. Uh, Dan Aguirre <laughs> is, uh, of course, a, uh, a radio desk jockey out in West Virginia. He is also a 9-11 responder. Is, what, what's, the, what's your official title, Dan? Uh, telecommunicator. I'm a supervisor, too. But, yeah, take calls, dispatch, all that kind of shit. So when you supervise uh, people who are handling 911 calls, what do you, what do you tell them? Faster, faster. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I have to. It's almost like we're, we're doing the same job, but at the end of the day, whenever a decision has to be made, it's mm -hmm. on my shoulders. 
And if like if I make the wrong one, I'm the one that's held accountable. That kind of thing. Ah, okay. Well, go do that and uh, get some rest. I, what, is this another one of your 16 hour? Uh, no, no. I just did that. I did the uh, Sunday oh, and right. Monday. I did midnight Sunday night into 4 p.m. Monday. Uh, but I have a double coming up again Saturday into Sunday. I got to get this Florida money, man, mm-hmm. <laughs> for this trip coming up in May. That's right. Well, we'll talk about that uh, on either next week's show or an upcoming show. Uh, safe travels out there. I'm glad it's not snowing too bad, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, brother. And hopefully we'll get Aaron on with us next week. Yeah. And, and we'll bring Tooch back. Tooch and Aaron. Um, uh, Aaron Mikowski and Tooch will be with us next week. We'll have a nice long show and, and have some fun with those guys. All right, man. I got to go. Thank you. All right, brother. Bye. Uh, Foster in the chat room says, Bushwoods. <laughs> Bushwoods is near me. That's right. <laughs> I'd like to try to keep it as close to me as possible. Um, let's see. What is going on with the bar room the next couple of days? Oh, uh, Mike North. Mike North called me and says, I need to talk about this GM. Oh, what do you want to say? Uh, don't worry. I, I got some good stuff for you. So we're going to do a Mike North Advantage at 9 a.m. on Wednesday. Uh, so if you can't catch it live, uh, catch the on-demand uh a version of it, audio podcast, Barroom Network, or right here on our YouTube channel. And then at 2 o'clock, it's Bar Down Hockey Talk. The Parisi brothers, along with their cousin, Frank Mueller, will talk about the Chicago Blackhawks, what's happening with them, and all the latest NHL news. And then I don't remember, do we have something tomorrow night? I don't remember. Uh, but if we don't, you've got plenty of stuff in our archives to go back to. I know you've got a lot of great options on, on stuff. And by the way, if the Bears do hire a head coach tomorrow, trust me, we will be back uh, tomorrow with coverage of that. So we'll be here uh, to cover all the latest Chicago Bears news. So with that, I will say adieu to all of you. Uh, thanks for everyone that joined us live and interacted with us. Truly appreciate it. So again, next week it'll be Tooch, uh, Aaron Mikowski, Dan Aguirre, and myself. And until then, this is it for Dan and Aldo, Bear Their Souls.